Hayes, Lauren, and RJ. The Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on a beautiful the ballpark. One more day, five days out here. This is day four. We are live from the Bragan Baseball Complex at Fort Family Field as we get set for day four of the Walk-Off Charities uh, High School Baseball and Softball Classic. Uh, glad you're with us today. We'll give you the lineup for a couple days, the, the schedule, I should say, for both baseball and softball. Frank Frangie Hayes, Carline, Lauren Brooks, right here in right center field today. Is this heaven? This is a pretty good view right here, Carline. Pretty good look at baseball right here. This is perfect. We can just do all the Frangie shows from here. <laughs> from now, Lauren said the same thing. I'm never going back in the studio. This yeah. is a, and our studio is wonderful. Yeah, and, and it is. There's nothing against our studio, but, I mean, look at this. this is a, I mean, you even have a cup holder here. Yeah, I've you got do. a place for my phone. We have, a, we have the, best, mean, the best bet fun zone. I'll have a uh, beer. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 if, uh, when the <laughs> server comes by. Beer and wings and you're good. Yeah. The best bet fun zone is in right center field, and we were we were before the first three days we were on the side, but I wanted people to see the logo. We had a number of people come by and say hello, but now everybody in that grandstand is going to see that logo the whole game. So they're going to see us, and we've got a great view of the ball game, and it's, it's perfect. So uh, we'll talk a lot of baseball today and a lot of things to get to uh, today on the uh, program. The story of the day is the new defensive coordinator has made it to town, Ryan Nielsen. Uh, around here, that is big news. We are a, an NFL town. We have one pro team. And so when the brand-new defensive coordinator gets here, it's a big deal to all of us. And, I mean, it is a legitimately big deal to all of us. And uh, Ryan Nielsen met with the media today. Hayes, you were there. Uh, we, I'm going to play a lot of the comments for, uh, for people that weren't there. Might have heard some of them on primetime. And, by the way, thank you to Jaguars.com for allowing us to play it in its entirety today during primetime. It was at 1.30 if you missed it. But if not, there's a lot of the key comments. I'm going to play just about everything he had to say of significance today because I think that's important to our listeners. Having said that, we all listened to it. Hayes, you were there. Uh, an overview of uh, what you thought that Ryan Nielsen had to say that stood out to you. I was really impressed with Ryan Nielsen. Uh, I think you can tell a lot in terms of intelligence with just how comfortable somebody is in, in a setting like this. And uh, Ryan Nielsen was incredibly comfortable. He entered the room about 10 minutes before his presser was uh, scheduled to start. He uh, made a point to introduce himself to everybody, shake everybody's hand, uh, and then just had some casual conversation before he got up at the podium. And then I thought, you know, was very relaxed and, uh, and, and struck the, the right chords, I think, uh, on, a, on a litany of, of issues. So I, I, I came away really impressed. I, from a football standpoint, my biggest takeaway in hearing him address third down and, and his guiding principles of, of getting off the field, I he said something that I thought was really interesting. He said, you got to be able to cover because uh, if you can't cover, uh, the, the ball is getting out of these quarterbacks' hands so quickly now, it, it really negates your edge rush, which is something Doug Peterson's talked about before. So it, it makes me wonder from a football standpoint if we should be moving corner up higher on the board of an offseason priority, whether that's a free agent, whether that's a, a draft pick. But I, I think in terms of that 17th pick, I think, you know, uh, I'll give John Shipley credit because uh, he's been saying corner for a while and taking some heat for it. Uh, I think in, in hearing Ryan Nielsen talk today, uh, again, he's not going to be pulling the trigger on, on the decision. But if there is alignment, and I think that there is, uh, between Nielsen, Peterson, and Balky uh, on, on the issues that need to be fixed, I would not be surprised if it's a corner at 17. Uh, they, they've got to get stickier in coverage. And so I think, uh, I think that was my biggest football takeaway, but really impressed with his demeanor 
and uh, and, and I expect that, that he'll be able to really build some fantastic relationships with the players. I also love the story he told about being at Disney World and having to go through It's a Small World and how long it seemed like the ride took when he's sitting there trying to, you know, get off the ride to be able to call Doug Peterson back. Yeah, he seems like a, a great human being. I liked how he talked all about the relationships and how important those are. And then certainly from a football standpoint, how aggressive he wants this defense to be and how it's going to be about the players. Not He's not going to force a scheme on this set of players. He sounds just like a football guy, didn't he? He sounds like a football guy. Well, duh, that's what he is. But you know what I mean? He sounds like a football guy today. I, when I, my take from that guy was there was a, that was a football. He had a low, he's got a low voice. I, it was somewhere between Lou Rawls and wasn't it? I mean, <laughs> didn't, didn't you think that? Yeah, he, I, Hayes, I like the mustache. Uh, he's a big guy. You should too. grow one yeah. like his. <laughs> my, my, my mind, I come in like come in like his. Yeah. So he's a big. I, I wasn't down there. But he's a big guy. He's six he five. He's big guy. He's big. He's Alessandra muscular. was like, she saw him. She was like, "How tall are you?" <laughs> and he was like, "Is that the first?" This is before he got up on the podium. Yeah, yeah. It was a funny moment. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, he's six five. He's definitely. You can tell. <laughs> you can tell how he was playing football at USC under yeah. Pete Carroll. Yeah, he, he's a big. Looks like a reg, came off as a regular guy. I thought. I thought he came off in a low voice. Eddie O, you know, is one of his mentors. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. asked that question. If Eddie O's one of your mentors, you That's better right. be a regular That's guy. That's exactly. Right. But but I thought a few things. I think. You know, there's a fine line between you don't want to be a funny guy because it's football. It's serious. It's serious stuff. So it's football stuff, you know. So I, I like the fact that it's a, he's a football guy, and I think that he's clearly, a foot, he's clearly a football guy. But he also understood don't take yourself too seriously today. In, enjoy the moment today. That's a funny story about Alessandra because he – but, but, but yeah, I like she's it. very tall, she's, too. Alessandra's <laughs> about, she's about 5'11", so he was – Good bit taller than her, but I, but I did. I thought it was a good moment. I thought it was. I thought it was a good, a good. I say good moment. A good twenty minutes. It was right at about twenty minutes. I thought a good twenty minutes. And I want you to hear the comments again. You can hear us talking about them all, all, all we want. And I want you to hear that. But I want you to hear really what Ryan, what Ryan Nielsen had to say. So that comes up in just a little bit. Do you sense? Listen, I, I don't know. It matters. Of course, it matters. What fans think always matters. You play the game for the fans. But I don't know that fans are always dead on. But I got the impression this has been widely accepted in Jaguar Nation and on Jaguar Twitter. And I mean, from the minute he, the minute the possibility was out there, from the minute you heard he was going to be the defensive coordinator, I think it was widely accepted by everybody. And I don't sense that's changed at all after today. No, I would say that support's even been fortified uh, with an outstanding foundation from uh, Ryan Nielsen's press conference today. Uh, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to have a fan tell me that they listen to that and feel worse about things. Correct. Uh, and, and again, I, you know, I, I think that there is a lot of room to go up. I, I, I think there's not a lot of room to, to regress on the defensive side of things. So I think, uh, you know, I, I think that also uh, adds to my confidence because it's not like the Jaguars had some great defensive coordinator that retired and it's like, boy, how are we going to replace, you know, this guy? I mean, the, the, Mike Caldwell was a first-time defensive coordinator. I got worse over the two years. And, uh, you know, again, hope, wish him nothing but the best of, of luck, but didn't do a great job. And so, uh, you know, particularly down the stretch and, and was certainly a factor in the team collapsing. So I, I, to me, it's not hard to make the leap of faith that Ryan Nielsen is going to be better than Mike Caldwell. 
Uh, and, and I again, I thought the way that he handled things today and, and just to hear him kind of go through uh, the messages he wanted to get to, uh, it, it for me, and, and to see his, his comfort level, uh, to me it, 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 it showed a confidence and, uh, you know, in and in a very good vision of what he wants to get done. Yeah, I think the fans were excited about a change. Certainly they probably wanted an offensive coordinator to change as well, but that's not what we're talking about. And so, yeah, I think hearing the press conference, you couldn't be more excited, especially Hayes to me when Demetrius asked the question that was about playing press man and all that kind of stuff. And he really went into the nuances of of his defense and explained more, you know, I'm glad you think that we play that way because then we can throw the zone at you and, and just different stuff like that. I thought he sounded like a guy who had a great grasp on everything. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, and, and really said, look, it's as, as most coaches say in a press conference, but it's still good to hear it. Uh, you know, the, the, what the players do best is what they're going to do. Uh, they've got to figure that out. They've got plenty of time. And I like the fact that, you know, he says, you know, we, we, we're going to have plenty of time to get to X's and O's. Right now it's about getting to know these guys, getting to know their families, uh, their stories, connecting and building that relationship because that's got to be what sustains us through a season. You know, you're going to have hard times. He didn't say this, but, I mean, obviously any season's going to have adversity. Even the, the two-time reigning champs had some adversity this season. Uh, and, uh, and, and so in looking at it, you've got to have that strong connection. So, uh, and he said, you know, once we see what, what they do well, then we'll start to tinker and see, well, can they do other things well? And, you know, what, what do we have here? So, I, you know, I, I think he's got a very clear idea. I think he did a, a great job of laying it out for the fans. And, you know, I'm excited to see it because I, I think he's the defensive boss. I, mean, I, I, I don't think Doug Peterson is, is going to veto a lot of right. what Ryan Nielsen wants to do. Now, uh, again, they've got offensive issues too. So in terms of allocating your offseason resources, I don't think the defense is going to get, you know, obviously everything. But, uh, but, I, 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 but it's going to get some help. And I think, I think what Ryan Nielsen sees as the biggest things that he needs I think they're, they're going to have a, a friendly ear to that. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday, and, and I think you seeing him today and us hearing him today uh, reemphasizes that in everybody's mind, Hayes. He's the head coach of the defense. They brought in – I don't know that I – and maybe he was, but I don't know that it completely felt like Mike Caldwell was or whether he wasn't. This feels like he went and brought in a head coach of the defense. I, I, and, I, and, I think, and, I th- and I felt that way before today. But failed that way even more. So, so we got a lot of things we're going to get to today. Uh, I want to talk a little baseball today. We're going to update you uh, both UNF and JU played last night. We want to always keep it a little bit on college, college baseball a bit. The Heritage game here, and I, I can't wait to tell you guys about it. The vibe today when Reigns and Rebalt played at this facility and so many members of the Duval County School Board, members of the mayor's office. Uh, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp do such a good job putting this on. They did the work, by the way, not us. The Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp had their whole staff out here in those red shirts, and they did a wonderful job with everything from PA to parking to uh, we had the con- we handled concessions and ticketing, but they did the rest. And well, what a good group Ken Babby and Harold Craw have down there, and, and tip of the cap to them. And thanks, I appreciate them letting us be a, a small part of it here at Walk Off and here at Bregan Baseball Complex. So we'll talk about that later on. But the story of the day is Ryan Nielsen. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want you to hear just about all of his significant comments of significance you deserve to hear from the head coach of the defense, the defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen. That's how we'll kick off the program. Glad you're with us also on Old Rock Thursday and a Stanley Pools Thursday. This is 1010XL, and it's 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. 
It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. Now here's what you're thinking in America. You're thinking, A, did he go baseball music? B, did he go Fogarty? Or C, did he go CCR? I'm watching you, Carla. That's what you're milling about in there. I see it. The mice are spinning on the wheel trying to figure this one out. What do you think, Brooks? If you went CCR, this song doesn't quite fit. That's right. So I'm I'm leaning towards baseball music. Process of elimination. I'm going (laughs) to agree. I'm going to say it's all baseball. Yeah, unless I went, got so busy that I didn't have a chance to do it. (laughs) So unless I sent RJ Fogarty slash CCR. Because you can never go wrong with CCR. Well, then you so, tricked us is what so you did. So I did. Really, I kind of lied, but I did. So it was a, it was, I li- I'm living a lie, Carline, is what I'm doing here. I'm living a lie. So it is going to be Fogarty, and then the rest of it's going to be CCR today. So about I love CCR, so there's no bad day for that yeah, in my book. Yeah, there's no bad day, so, so uh, we'll see. Anyway, I want you to hear some of the comments of Ryan Nielsen. I think the story that you're going to hear a lot of today, you're going to hear a lot of CCR today because there's no bad day for CCR. But I will tell you. This is a uh, that's a special time out here at this ballpark. We'll tell you more about what went on today. But again, the news of the day with our listeners at our radio station is Ryan Nielsen, low voice, had the big physical guy, had the mustache. It looked like he's just a ball coach. I think I think what I came out of it was a ball coach. I want you to hear some of his comments. By the way, let's get right to it. Uh, every defense has an identity. Every defense has a uh, what they are. Ryan Nielsen was asked today, "What is this team going to be? To, what are they going to be about defensively?" There's some things, fundamental things, that tackling, takeaways, ball disruption, and pursuit. And that's what we're going to be about. Tackling, takeaways, ball disruption. You know, you have to be a good tackling defense to be a good defense. Takeaways are the number one way to limit points. Uh, ball disruption is um, making the offense play not on time. You know, we're, we're, we're taking away a, a running lane or making a ball bounce or disrupting the quarterback. And then pursuit, you know, keeping the ball inside, proper angles, you know, running and hitting. And so um, that's what we're going to be about. That's what we're going to stress. That'll be the first thing we talk about with the guys before we even start talking scheme or, you know, stance or anything like that. We'll, we'll start it. At, that will be our foundation, and we'll go from there. I love it. That speaks to being aggressive. He landed in Jacksonville. He had a lot of chances to go places. I don't think this was going to be his only offer. He was asked today, what made Jacksonville an attractive destination? Well, a lot of things. Um, so really, you know, when you, when you start looking at, an opportunity, you look at the people in the building. Uh, you look at the head coach. Uh, coach Peterson um, did not know him personally before this, but you do your research and um, you talk to people that have worked with him, know him. I was fortunate to be on a staff that had a coach that had worked for Coach Peterson before, and um, he said some unbelievable things about him. And then you started calling around just a couple of guys, just, you know, you, you want to check. In, and it's so important that you work with good people, and, and we're so close in this thing, and we spend so many hours a day away from our families with these men in here, and, and you, you want to be around good people. And so that was the first thing. Um, and then Trent, you know, you hear the same things, you know, and so you start working your way down. Uh, Mr. Khan, the owner, I mean, you, you know, what's the organization about? How is the owner? And then didn't know that they built the facility and then you start doing the roster research and you kind of know a little bit but then as you start digging into this thing you're like you know what this is a great place this is a place that that we want to bring our family to and be a part of this is a place that we want to help take the next step um and so you know when we kind of looked at the whole package and everything that was going on it was there was no doubt this is where we wanted to be now everyone's talking about trayvon walker 
Uh, is he up? Is he down? Is he a 3-4 outside backer? Is he a 4-3 big end? You knew that question was coming. Ryan Nielsen was asked, how do you plan on using Trayvon? Here's kind of our philosophy with the players is, is we're going to put the player in a position that he can have success first over the scheme. And so we're going to evaluate everything that he does well. And then if he can rush inside, then we'll put him inside, Gene. If he's more of a better outside rusher, we'll keep him outside. Yes, we've evaluated those things, but 10 snaps is not enough to say that, yes, he can do that or he can't do that. And so we'll, we'll identify that once we get to OTAs. And, in, you know, and, and so it, it, the process is, is never ending. You know, and and we'll, we'll put our guys in the best positions for them to have success. And then ultimately we will have success on defense and as a team. All right, speaking of guys, one guy that had a lot of success last year is Josh Allen. Ryan Nielsen was asked today, how important is Josh Allen to all this? Yeah, I mean, a lot of production, right? Very important. And so when you got a guy like that and, and uh, I mean, you want him back and think that's going to work out, uh, would be really excited if that works out. Uh, really excited to work with him. Her, nothing but great things. Talk to Josh and, and uh, yeah, he's been he's been fantastic. And so that'll get worked out, get him back and, and get him get him going and, and hopefully get him into improve. That's the ultimate goal, right? Just take one, if we can just get that much better next year, really, what does that look like? That's pretty exciting, right? And so that's kind of what we're, we want to work towards. All right, now, hey, look, he hasn't seen his players on the field. He just got the job, but he knows what he has. He's seen the roster. He was asked today to, to comment on the roster he inherits on the defensive side. I think that we're talented. We, we've got a talented group. Um, we've got some really good players and that um and that's what was excited and attracted us about the job here um but uh look talent only gets you so far right and so really excited to get to work with these guys they seem very eager you know you try to reach out and just introductions hello how you doing you know um introduce yourself things like that and, and the staff and the guys are seem very eager and and to get going obviously the season just ended so we you know we need a break and we're just getting going here staff wise um, so this is a good time, but it, it is a really good time to, to start building relationships, which is really huge in what we do, right? It's about relationships and people. And so this is a great time that a couple of these guys are just coming up. Hey, coach, you know, introduce and put a face with a name, things like that. So it's, it's been very positive. The book on him has been they play a lot of press man. That's what everyone's talked about. So he was asked that today. Is that is that true? Is your defense all about playing man? Well, we like to um, – as one of our coaches would like to say, uh, nothing cheap and nothing deep. And so when you're press, you take away the quick game. And we like to play shell, which everybody, you know, when you look at us, we, you know, take away the deep throws. Um, it may look man, man or man-ish at times, um, but sometimes there's some press bail and some nuances in the coverage of that. It actually is zone with tighter coverage outside. And so um, it's actually good that you see it like that because um, if we're viewed like that, then we drop into zone. It could be advantageous for, you know, for us on defense. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, we're going to be mixing and matching. We play a lot of different coverages and, and mix and matches our, our coverages. And, and uh, again, that's what we did then. And it may be different now. And so that's what the process that we're going through and with the players. But um, we definitely we have everything in there. It's just what, what are we going to start with? We know where we're starting. What's the, the ending? What's it going to look like when we end? Because the new coaches and the new players together, and, and we want to do what's best for everybody. And finally, the comment that Hayes, you talked about, uh, getting off the field on third down, which is so very, very critical. He talked a little bit about his philosophy in making that happen. Yeah, so rushing coverage, right? I mean, really, you know, rushing coverage. We have to be multiple. 
Um, first thing we got to do is affect the quarterback in that we can't allow the ball to come out of his hand quickly because then the coverage, or then the rush doesn't get there. So if the coverage is, has holds, holes in it or we're given an easy throw, then it doesn't matter who we got coming off the edge, you know. Um, and we've got a couple of good edge guys here. So we've got to get the quarterback to, to hold it. The disguise is big. We have multiple packages on third down, so we change week to week or maybe we don't, you know, and so keep them big guessing. Really big early in the game is we try to go out there and, and they're kind of trying to identify what we're doing on third down and then go from there. Not, hey, we're going to be in this look and every single time, hey, we can make this throw. So we've got to be multiple and keep changing it. They're just too good on offense. You know, the quarterbacks are too good, offensive coordinators. There's so many guys over there that can identify. And so that's why we've got to keep it multiple and, and, and keep changing up the looks. The comments of Ryan Nielsen, the brand-new defensive coordinator in Jacksonville. He met with the media today. I'm glad that Jack set that up. Uh, Hayes, you gave us an idea of what it was like down there. Again, you know, you've heard most of what he had to say of significance. Um, that's a football guy. I think that's the thing. That is a – it's kind of funny. I was thinking about this when we talked about it in the first segment. Guys gain acceptance in the fan base, not just the Jaguars, any, any, any guy, any fan base, almost before they've coached or not. This guy is roundly accepted beforehand. And then I thought, to your point earlier, it, it, this, this, just reinforce that. I can't wait to see him coach football. I guess that's the bottom line. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to, to see. There's going to be so many things to watch when they do get to OTAs and then training camp because – Obviously, the offense is, is always going to draw eyeballs, but I think in, in how the defense is constructed and, and what guys are being asked to do, is it different? Uh, and just seeing how Ryan Nielsen goes about his business. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting to see this defensive build. And I'm optimistic that they can really improve. I, I think that they have invested uh, a lot of uh, talent on that side of the ball. I, I think it's obviously it starts with Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. I do think in, in that last comment, I don't know that they have the corners to play the way he envisions getting off the field on third down. Uh, I, I, I think they need to upgrade opposite Tyson Campbell. Uh, and that was a, a big football takeaway for me today because I've been sort of like, yeah, I could see corner if the right guy fell to 17, but – you know, I, I don't really know that it'll be that. You know, I've been pining for, for Jared Verse. But, you know, they make a good point. If You could have three great edge guys, but if C.J. Stroud just really has to get the snap and then in a second, you know, get it out to, a, to an area because he's already got some separation he can take advantage of, well, those guys aren't getting there in, in a millisecond. Uh, and so I, I think the coverage has got to be stickier. And, uh, you know, that, that I think we'll see if it plays out that way. But I don't think they're going to be able to do a ton in free agency at corner. So uh, I think in terms of getting a really high-quality starter, that's going to have to come uh, with the 17th pick or, or a pick very early in the draft, uh, second round, I'd say, at the latest. And, Frank, we talked about how good that Chiefs secondary, namely their two corners, we're in the Super Bowl and, and we're all season long. That was a huge part of why their defense was so good. You've got to have two good guys there and then certainly a good nickel too, but especially two good outside corners. And that's the question. How does Ryan Nielsen evaluate what the Jaguars have at that position? And, and prioritize. That's exactly right. I think the big question is, okay, how do they prioritize what they have? How do they prioritize? That, that's a, a really big part of this is how do you prioritize what you have and 
does one coordinator say, you know what, we got to get a third edge. We have to get a third edge because I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Or does the coordinator say, not to Hazes, to your point, hey, we don't have the corners yet to do what I want to do. If you're asking my opinion, first things first, let's get this corner or that corner, right? So I, I think that's a big part of this whole paradigm is is what what how 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 the defensive staff prioritizes player procurement as compared to what you have now. I think it's a big part of it. So, but I, but again, like he said, there's time for that. Right now, let's get let, let's let's see how he fits and it fits. And, and again, I'm I'm very excited about what I think we see here. And I, I am again, I I have I've been bullish on what this Jaguar team is, and I've said it a thousand times. It's not that I don't recognize they lost five of their last six and that they were in great shape to win a division and go to the playoffs again, and they let it get away. I am, I am as, as, as aware of that as anybody is. It's very clear that's what happened. There's no, there, nobody denies it. But I also stepped away and could step away and say, I also remember all, the, the, all those 4 and 12s and all those 3 and 13s and all those all – those, I mean, this is a team that was losing 12 and 13 games before they played 17. And it makes me think that this 9 and 8 team we just saw, albeit one that's, that finished poorly, has got a lot of potential, and I can't wait to see it under um, Ryan Nielsen. Uh, Ryan Nielsen, the new defensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Back in a moment, this is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Just got home from Illinois, locked the front door open. Got to sit down, take a rest on the porch. Imagination sets in, pretty soon I'm singing. Do, 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 looking out my back door. It kind of feels like we're hanging out on a porch, doesn't it? It really it does. does. I mean, that, that, I mean that, this, is, this is the shot. I mean, this is, this is it, man. CCR fit this perfectly in a gorgeous day for both baseball and softball today. First Coast and Episcopal going to start on the softball field at 4 o'clock. Bishop Snyder and Wolfson on the baseball field at 4 o'clock. And, um, gosh, you're seeing it all. I just, you know, you guys know how I feel about this. It's, uh, and, and I will tell you that uh, the Heritage game today, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. The Jumbo Shrimp do such a marvelous job of hosting that game. And, it, and it's a tip of the cap to the old Negro Leagues. Mm-hmm. It's a tip of the cap to uh, – to baseball, to real baseball, it's a tip of the cap to baseball being played, um, and, and to us trying to grow baseball in the inner city, which is so critically, critically important to us. Um, gosh, you should have seen it today, Hayes and Lauren. The, the place was packed. A lot of the middle schoolers from those areas, 500 elementary and middle school kids, all were out here as wow. well. Wow! And, and they were, and, and they were having a big time. And hopefully, they'll all play on one of those baseball teams too. That's kind of the idea: is that they'll, they'll all get to play. Everybody gets to play and wants to play on some of these, and it's just a fantastic, fantastic setup. And I'm so freaking proud of it, and so uh, and so appreciative of the Jumbo Shrimp letting us us be part of it as well. So it was an, it was an amazing, amazing day. Today. Do you know if any of the kids who play high school baseball currently came through a clinic? Uh, I would. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So okay. I mean, some of those kids you saw from Jackson yesterday, mm-hmm. absolutely, they did. came through the clinic. Yeah. That's so great. But what we also have now, which is really kind of cool, is we also now have. Uh, our own scout team 
And a lot of the players on our scout team have been in this tournament already. And that's, that's sort of the walk-off. It's, it's, a, it's a minority-based travel team because there aren't any of those. And I told you this last year, those guys held their own, man. They did a pretty good job. So, yeah, they're, they're – they, yes, yeah, so some of our kids – I don't know which ones, but the Jackson, the Ed White, the Reigns, the Revolt, those are the kids that are coming through our clinics when they're eight years old. And, and I promise you some of those kids have come through those clinics. I just think that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, and, so. uh, and certainly now that they get to play at this ballpark, they think, wow, this is a little different than San Susi when yeah, I went to my yeah. first uh, baseball clinic. And if you think about it, none of the – None of the high school fields in town, and there we have some wonderful programs and some wonderful fields. None of them look like this, you know. Not, none of none of them look look like this field, you know. So you think about it. So, uh, so this is a uh, this is fantastic. So, so yeah. So we're really excited about everything everything that went on. Here. I have two questions for Hayes regarding Ryan Nielsen. We just heard from the Jaguars' new defensive coordinator. Uh, first question. Did you find it surprising that PR had to jump in when someone asked Ryan if the staff has been assembled? Uh, it's a it's a little clumsy but i mean i guess i guess they have their people okay. it's just maybe contracts haven't been gotcha. signed and executed and the announcement hasn't been made so you know i mean it's not a big deal probably probably would have made sense to say beforehand hey he knows his staff but you know don't ask about we're it. still kind of finalizing everything so he's not gonna be able to really talk about that but it's fine i mean it, it's uh just was you know 20 seconds and none of us will ever have back <laughs> and then the second question Ryan specifically said, and I don't know if he intended to or not, but he specifically said we have a couple good edge rushers. Do you think that he, he intended to say, to use the word couple instead of we have a few? Yeah, because, I mean, that's what it is. And I, I think, I thought he made an interesting point with Trayvon on, look, I, I mean, I can't tell you if he can play inside because there's right. no film of him doing it. Right. There's 10 snaps yep. to go off of. So, I, But everyone's yeah. just been assuming that he can. Right. Right, and and I think he can, and and I, my guess is Ryan Nielsen probably, if if he had to guess, would say that he can, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think I think for now it's he's classifying Trayvon as is one of his two edge guys. I mean, there's no one else of consequence. I mean, you know, I mean, Dewan Smoot's a nice rotational player, and hopefully he'll be better if he's here. Uh, hopefully he'll be better second year removed from the Achilles. Chason's a free agent. I mean, I can't imagine that you know he's coming back uh and so they really don't have anything there uh so it 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 needs to be you know somewhat of a priority i you know again that's probably something that they'll try and, and get done i would think in free agency uh but uh it it certainly could be a possibility in the draft as well but i mean they they obviously have got to get better depth uh beyond what they have in josh allen and trayvon walker I think Ryan Nielsen gave the answer. We we said this yesterday. We we knew he was going to be talking, and we kind of predicted what he might say. I think he gave some of the answers that he had to give and that we expected him to give. He's not going to give away his scheme. He's not going to tell you exactly what he's going to do. Part of that is you're not giving away your scheme. The other part of that is you're not completely sure until you've practiced your guys and seen your guys out there. Having said all that, I go back to Trent Baalke's comment in his presser about there's going to be a change schematically. He was very clear about that. I would, be, I would be enormously surprised, and, and this is no inside information, this is my opinion, I would be very surprised if it's not a 4-3 base with Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen as the 4-3 ends. Wouldn't you be surprised I if, would this, be if that's surprised. not the base? Yes. Yeah, I, I just, and again, you're a nickel a lot of time too when they say it doesn't matter. You made the best point of all yesterday. If it doesn't matter, why do people talk about it, right? Right. Why is it, why is it a thing? So, but I'd be enormously surprised 
if it wasn't them. And so I, so I, I, th- I think that's what you're going to see. But, yeah, listen, the – and the the one mistake they made, I, I, I don't I don't beat up the GM like some people do, uh, some fans do, and whatnot. But and I think they've done a good job assembling the team. I really do. But the one mistake that I, a, a mistake that was very clear is there was a chance to find a way to bring in Leonard Floyd or Clowney or Van Noy or Melvin Ingram. How many there were? There were six or seven. There were six or seven guys. Because initially I wasn't worried. Yeah. I mean, when one or two of them signed, I yeah. was like, oh, that's fine. There's still there was the five opp- or six guys yeah. left. There was the opp- Never dreaming there would be no plan. <laughs> and, there, and there was an opportunity to bring him in. And, and Trent said, listen, we brought in Clowney. He, he chose the Ravens. And I believe him. I'm, I'm not going to not believe a guy at his word. But you don't get the impression that they went after a lot of guys. And, and I think so. It's okay. He can't affect last. Last year's over. But as you get to this year, I do hope you go to school on that. And I, and I do hope that as you go to this, okay, uh, when you watch Clowney and, and Van Noy have really good years in Baltimore and lead Baltimore to the number one over, number one seed in the AFC, I hope you take something from that. Oh, again, you can't control what happened last year. I'm okay with that. But this time around, no matter what your scheme is, I would hope they're very active in the additional edge department, right? I mean, you would, you, would, you would hope, given that. They have to be. You would have to think, right? Okay, again, you can't affect last year, but let's this year be very active. I don't, I don't know who the Clownies, Van Noys, Melvin Ingrams, Leonard Floyds of this, of this group will be, but there are going to be some. There will be some. Absolutely. And, and whoever that group is, I would certainly hope, and I do hope, that this time around uh, that's a factor. No, even Clayus Campbell. We talked about him a season ago, and could he potentially come back here? I think, Hayes, as you look at it right now, you would say your needs, your absolute needs, left guard, center, right guard. You have to improve those positions, whether you expect Luke Fortner to improve or not, but those positions have to improve. Corner and certainly edge. Am I missing any? Receiver potentially also. Yeah, but that's that's it. I think you Ezra, the main ones. Yeah, I think Ezra Cleveland will be the left guard. Um, although but they, as of now, they right? have to get that done. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I I would be surprised if that's a difficult negotiation. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, certainly, my guess is center is in, addressed in free agency, as is right guard. Uh, my guess is that edge and corner are going to be priorities in the draft. I do think the four you said. Regardless of how it play, if it plays out exactly like that, which it could, by the way, if you ask me to guess, if you ask me to guess which is free agent, which is draft, I'd agree with you. But you never know, you know that that could that could get one or the other. So, but, but yeah, I think so. I think but you so. don't want to play certainly with yeah. if you don't resign yeah. Ezra Cleveland, you don't want to draft a guard, maybe have four, or draft a position at center, or draft a guy at center, and draft someone at right guard. You can't have that many rookies on your offensive line. Well, correct. So so there there'll be a mix of some sort. One other thought on that. Uh, one other thought on, on Ryan Nielsen, the defense, and what they might do there, Hayes. Uh, defensively, the secondary is interesting. You're not sure Trey Herndon's good enough nickel for what they want to do. Correct. Well, the reality is Trey's a good football player that doesn't run particularly fast. That, that, so, so he's going to be – he's a damn good player, and he proved and he earned his worth, but he doesn't run. So if you're, if you're trying to be fast at all three of those spots, he doesn't run. We, we, we know that. And so – so and they used Antonio Johnson as that big nickel sum, and I can tell you they really like him. But is he a big nickel again? And do they play more big nickel, or do they play more conventional nickel? And he becomes a safety, and Rayshon Jenkins doesn't come back, which is one one school of thought. So, but I mean, I'm interested to see what happens with that secondary. I do believe Darius Williams 
is a guy I think is going to be on the team, right? I mean, he's on a contract, but I mean, there's a lot of guys with a cap number that you have to wonder may not be. But I think Darius going to be on the team. Would I would you, agree. Yeah, even though he's got a cap number. Tyson Campbell's their lead corner. He's going to be on the team. Um, so you get a nickel. And, and Darius Williams, they found clearly he's a better outside guy than a nickel. We, we, we certainly found that out. So um, he's clearly that. So, yeah, I think Darius Williams is going to be outside. Tyson Campbell's going to be outside. Find a nickel to Hayes' point. Antonio Johnson and, and Andre Sisco, probably the safeties. Is that your guess? Cisco and Johnson? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, and Rayshon Jenkins not bad. Okay, so – but I'm interested to see how that whole thing is, how they acquire and how they deploy there because I'm not so sure we know those answers yet either. And Rayshon has a big cap hit. That's why we expect him to not be around. I think so. I think so. And, and you got a guy. I think, number one, I, I like Rayshon Jenkins as a player. I think he's a good player. I think he's, he's a really good box safety. I mean, he's – in terms of blitzing, playing the run, making things happen near the line of scrimmage, he's one of the better safeties I've seen. I don't know that he's as good in coverage. And so, but I, but I think he certainly is that. I, I think Rayshon Jenkins is a good player. Don't get me wrong, but he's got a big cap number, and you got a guy. I think that's the, so. When you got a guy that can play there, and by the way, Antonio Johnson, I will tell you, they think he may be really special. I, I can, I can. I, what I'm told by people that I trust, they think he might be. We're in the fifth round, yeah. right? I mean, they think as fifth rounders go, right. Might be as good as one you'll ever find. So I think that. So, but I'll, but I'll be interested to see the way that whole thing is deployed in the secondary. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Antonio Johnson had the hamstring in training camp. I think that derailed what could have been a, a a really impactful year. He still looked good in the limited snaps he got. I think he played like fifteen percent of the defensive snaps. So not a ton of work, but I think there is something there with Antonio Johnson. Now he's got a year to process. He doesn't have to go through the draft. Uh, he knows his home. And uh, he can focus solely on uh, what he did right, what he did wrong, and then uh, acclimating to Ryan Nielsen's scheme. So I think Antonio Johnson's in a good place. I think he's going to have a nice second year, and I think he's going to be the starting safety. It just doesn't make sense for them to keep Rayshon Jenkins. Uh, they can devote that $6 million elsewhere. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll tell you more about the baseball that's going on here. We'll change gears a little bit. The Florida Gators have a coaching change the assistant level that is interesting on, on many fronts. We'll discuss it after this. Glad you're with us. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. Well, here's the good news. No rain today. That's right. Gorgeous out. It we will even be have clouds. Saturday. We do have clouds. I'm going to call these cumulus clouds. Yes. Definitely different than yesterday's Very clouds. Very pillowy. So, yes, the fluffy ones. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we've got some baseball and some softball going on just now underway. Over here on the baseball side, Wolfson taking on Bishop Snyder. And on the softball side, just over to our left, First Coast and Episcopal squaring off. So a lot of fun here at the Walk-Off Charities Baseball and Softball Classic here at the Bragan Baseball Complex. So uh, we'll keep you updated with the schedule as the day goes along. And a little Creedence Clearwater Revival today on Old Rock Thursday. Uh, Frank will rejoin us in just a minute. He's doing a TV hit for Channel 4 at the moment and talking all about this uh, great complex and the schedule going on here. All right, Hayes, so up there in Washington, D.C., they seem to like hiring some Gators. 
because the commanders now currently, of course, the head coach, Dan Quinn, what originally was a Florida assistant. They also hired Brian Johnson, Sharif Floyd, and Darnell Stapleton. The last one that I mentioned, Darnell Stapleton, the later one, he has been the co-offensive coordinator at Florida, and obviously a lot of discussion last season about the fact that the offensive line wasn't very good. And now he gets hired away, so there will be just one offensive line coach at Florida, unless I suppose Billy Napier hires someone else. Uh, but what did you make of the fact that he's leaving Florida to go to Washington? Yeah, I mean, to be the assistant offensive line coach, I mean, that to me says that uh, this was probably a mutual thing and, and Napier did him a solid and was like, just find another job so I don't have to fire you. I, I'm fascinated to see what Napier does now. He's got some flexibility. I, I can't imagine he'll stay with two offensive line coaches because I just don't think it's translated. I think what he envisioned it being is – a, a recruiting advantage, which there's no evidence it has been. I mean, right. Napier's recruited well, and they got uh, Fletcher Westfall, a, a blue-chip offensive tackle, but they haven't dominated in, in offensive line recruiting. So I don't know that having the two coaches has had the recruiting effect that, that Napier envisioned. And, uh, and I just think it's a, it's, a, it's a bad use of resources to put two guys uh, on, on a single position. So – I, I am really interested in seeing how Napier fills this. I would expect this to be filled fast because I think Napier has known for a while that this was uh, something like this could be coming. Uh, but I'm, I'm very eager to see. This is a big hire. I mean, any, any decision Billy Napier makes is obviously important because of his tenuous status with leading the program. But I am intrigued to see what he does with this position uh, does he does he try to you know add a coordinator uh, offensively or, or does it just become a, a second offensive line coach? But I think that would be a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it would too. Do Do you get the sense that this is somehow, some way that Hayes that this is opening the way for? I mean, his quarterback coach is an analyst. He doesn't even have a quarterback coach yet. Do you get the sense that this is? If if not a play caller, because he kind of kind of diffused that the other day, at least someone to work a, a real coach to work with his quarterback. Ryan O'Hara is a, a, an analyst. That my first thought was, and we kind of heard through the grapevine a little bit, way back when, that one of the offensive line coaches might be gone, and that in in place of him would be a coordinator. Well, it doesn't look like his coordinator's coming. But maybe a quarterback's coach? I mean, a specific veteran quarterback's coach, possibly? I think it would make a lot of sense. I. I I do wonder if Napier just simply on the offensive side of things has has his hands in way too much, and maybe some delegation would be good for the benefit of the program. Right. I mean, if he's the quarterback's coach and the offensive coordinator and the play caller and the head coach of the team, uh, and he doesn't have a, a special teams coordinator, that's a, that's a lot of stuff to juggle. Uh, so I, I think it would make a lot of sense to – uh, delegate more of the offense, the play calling. Uh, I, who knows if he'll do it. But I would take this opportunity. You don't need two offensive line coaches. Right. I mean, there's a reason no one else does it. I mean, it's, it's I don't want to say idiotic. He wanted to try something, fine. But I don't think it's, it's made any positive impact. Uh, so I think it, at this point, it probably needs to be more regimented to what most staffs look like, and I would I would absolutely recommend uh, somebody that works directly with the quarterbacks. I'd be fine if he turned over the the play calling. I don't yeah. think he's going to, 
Um, but uh, but yeah, he needs. I think he needs more help uh, in in building the the passing game up, building the play calling up, the game planning up. Uh, so I, I hope it I hope it comes from from a quarterback perspective. And if it's not going to be a play caller, and I'm with Hayes, Lauren, I don't think that it is. But it's a veteran. I mean, you've got Graham Mertz, who's a veteran guy and is a smart player, limited a little athletically. But now you got in this phenom who might be the best thing to come around in a long time at quarterback, why not bring in a veteran quarterback coach who's coached quarterbacks? I mean, Ryan O'Hara, I know he likes him and he's an analyst, and I'm talk- he's probably a smart guy. But, Ryan, o- this isn't like bringing in a veteran quarterback's coach who's- whose history has been coaching quarterbacks. I- I- common sense, and this is, not a- this is not an anti-Billy or a knock-Billy comment, but at some point common sense says, Bring in a quarterbacks coach who's worked with quarterbacks. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's groundbreaking, is it? You know, bring in a, a veteran, a, a quarter. You got DJ Lagway going in there. You got to, I mean, my God, train him as best you can. I, look, if if I'm Billy Napier, I'm thinking, listen, I believe I'm I'm the best play caller for this team. I like calling plays. I believe we're at our best with me calling the plays. Whether we all agree with that or not, the offense wasn't the problem. If he, I th- my problem with him as a play caller, I think it affected other things he did and made him not as good as a head coach. That's my opinion. But that notwithstanding, and I didn't, and I didn't love tempo and some of the things they did. But again, the offense, the offense was better. The, the offense clearly improved. No, nobody could debate the fact that the offense improved. But if I'm Billy Napier and I'm thinking I want to call plays, I think we're at our best with me calling plays. Fair enough. But you can't convince me, and, and, and no one's coming to mind right now. But you can't convince me, veteran quarterbacks coach who's coached Heisman Trophy winners and national champions or NFL guys, isn't better off than a guy like Ryan O'Hara who might be good has not done it. I mean, at some point it's got to be common sense. That's, I guess that's my point. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, and, again, I think Billy Napier had a vision for the quarterback is only going to hear from me. You know, I'm going to be the voice. We're not going to have a bunch of, of, of cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. But, I, I mean, it's just not working. I mean, I say that. Graham Mertz played well. Yeah. Uh, Graham Mertz's numbers were good. Uh, and so I, I just – I don't really care what he does as long as it's not a second offensive line coach. Yeah, well – Now, I, so if, if Napier wants to still be the primary voice in the quarterback room, then that's fine. He may have recruited Lagway on that. Of, yeah, I you know, agree. Yeah, you're right. You have a direct line to the head coach, and it's going to be you and me. And but, but something else, whether it's somebody that can be, help him with situational play calling – uh, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I would rather it be a quarterback's coach. Uh, but I, I, I also get where Napier is coming from. I, I don't think the offense was a disaster. I don't either. I think, he's, I think he's a disaster when he decides to run a trick play. That's his biggest weakness offensively. And, you know, I mean, hopefully he can bring in somebody. I, I like the idea of some experience. I mean, we've talked about that. You know, from the outset, I don't know if you know what David Cutcliffe is up to, yeah. but that kind of guy, like, Correct. can you bring somebody in like that uh, that can provide some uh, mentorship and provide a, a kind of a seasoned perspective? And if Napier still wants to be the primary uh, communication between uh, the staff and the quarterbacks, then that's fine. That's up to him. But uh, but yeah, I mean. Something needs to change, uh, and again, there, you, you will never convince me that having two offensive line coaches has helped Florida one iota over the last two years. 
Do you ever watch cooking shows where they have a finite period of time where they have to cook the food, get it I can get it definitively plated? tell you no. <laughs> okay. I, I can very comfortably <laughs> tell you I don't watch cooking shows. Well, there's a, there's a ton of shows, and you have a, a finite period of time, and you have to get your food cooked, plate it, make it look good, right, and serve it to the judges. I feel like Billy Napier's style of communication, he cannot communicate to a quarterback quickly enough in-game, out-of-game, in meeting rooms to be able to get the message across in the finite period of time that he has. And that's why I'm with you, Frick. I think another guy who can communicate a little bit faster or more concisely would be great. Hayes might have just hit it, too. What's David Cutcliffe doing? Was he work for the SEC? I mean, again... Uh, and, again, I understand coaches have a plan, they have a system, they have a way they want to communicate. I get that. And it's easy for fans or media to say, do this. Do, I, I understand. It's, it's never that easy, and I get that. But tell me you're better, and I wouldn't have thought of Cutcliffe until you said it, but tell me you're better without a g- guy like David Cutcliffe than you are bringing in a guy that the Mannings swear by, that has coached Eli, that has coached so many really good quarterbacks, to be your quarterback's coach, just to be an ear for – listen, Graham Mertz came in I, – like, I was a big Graham Mertz fan. I still am. But Graham Mertz came in with 32 career starts. D.J. Lagway's coming in with zero. So and on what world are you better off not having a David Cutcliffe type than you are having one? And, and again, it, at some point it always comes down to logic. In what, in what part of logic are you better off not having a guy like that than having one? That, that's kind of the point. And now you've got the opening. Now now you've got a spot on your staff, and I believe all along that was part of the plan. But now you – so I'd like to think if that was part of the plan, then you already knew who's coming in. I'd like to think that, that, that we're going to learn that a quarterback – and I hope it is a quarterback. What do you think? It's, it's, he's got to fill the spot, right? It's going to be something. He's already got a tight ends coach. He's already got a running backs coach. I, I think we all can agree he's probably not going to hire another offensive line coach. He's not going to do that again. So it's got to be something. Yeah, I, I would go with, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I would go with quarterbacks. I think that that makes the most sense. But you know, this is a this is somebody that's yeah. a little hard to predict in I, terms of no question how he wants to do things and is unorthodox. But I mean, I mean, again, people say he doesn't have special teams coordinator, but I'm okay. I think that, is it Joe Houston? I I get a hunch that that, that there, there's going to be more attention, more speci- more more specific attention paid. Because of that, they did bring in a guy that's been with Bill Belichick for three years. Listen, I'm I feel way different about the whole special. The guy was a kicker. The guy has been around it. The guy he if ever there was a special teams guy that that's there for that, they got. So I'm okay with where they are with that now. So I can't imagine what else it could be. I mean, we all know we don't know. We'd all be shocked if it's if it's two offensive line coaches again. Who are we kidding? Okay, we'd all we'd all be shocked if it's that. Rob Sale's going to be the old line guy, and that's that. So it's not going to be a defensive guy, I don't think. He's got Lord. He just brought in Austin Armstrong's mentor, you mm-hmm. know. So it's not going to be a defensive guy. I can't. What possibly could it be other than a quarterback coach? Maybe it's DJ Lagway's head coach. <laughs> Maybe in high school. You know what? And now we know the story. <laughs> that's how they got him. You know, Doug Marone could be a, another offensive line coach coming uh, again. Uh, I can't imagine that it would be that. I and I, and I hope it's. The one thing about is it Rob Roberts or who, who's that's not the name uh, Ron Roberts Ron yeah. Roberts I want an older guy and I, and, I, and I don't know much about him but I think again I, one of the criticisms I had of Napier is that everybody else's analysts were generally guys who are who had been around been the Charlie Strongs of the world and the Bill O'Briens of the world 
and Billy was bringing in young guys. He's bringing young guys who one day will be coaches, not guys who. And so, what's Fedora doing though? Yeah, he's he's sitting on his ranch in Waco, Texas. I, I mean, he'd be the perfect guy. He'd be the, some that that that's the kind of guy. The best guy is David Cutcliffe, who works for the SEC. I can't imagine that David Cutcliffe wouldn't take a coaching job if offered. But Larry Fedora, Larry Fedora, David Cutcliffe, so a guy like that who's done it. I can't imagine. That, that it's not something like that. I, I'd be very shocked. I mean, again, that, that story kind of went under the radar, the whole Stapleton thing. But there's the, not the fact that they lost him, but what they now could do if they choose to do it. So it'll be interesting to see. All right, we'll see. Uh, hey, we are live out here at the Abregan Baseball Complex. The walk-off charities high school baseball and softball classic continues on. This is uh, the Thursday, day three of it. I do want to remind you, we're going to get all kind of rain on Saturday. Everybody has changed their schedules. The JU and UNF baseball teams were supposed to play home series Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They have now both changed their schedules to where there will be Friday doubleheaders, nothing on Saturday when the rain comes, and then they'll play again on Sunday. We have done the same thing. There now will be no baseball or softball on Saturday. We have moved everything up. Just so you know, tomorrow what we were going to play is a four and a seven. Well, tomorrow we will not, we play, we're playing one extra game today. We're playing a one, a four, and a seven tomorrow, and the one, resi- the remaining game, which is Ed White at Inglewood, they are now going to play the game at Inglewood. So that game will be played tomorrow at six o'clock at Inglewood. The uh, First Coast Trinity game will be played at one o'clock tomorrow here. So a one, a four, and a seven here, and a game in Inglewood, and one more game tonight, rather than try to play in the rain on Saturday. Same thing with softball. Softball, we have two small fields, so we're going to use both of our fields tomorrow. If we're going to get everything in. So uh, all the baseball and softball, the walk-off charities tournament, which almost always ends on a Saturday, this year will end on Friday. So come on out and see some of this fantastic baseball and some of this fantastic softball here at the Bregan Baseball Complex at Fort Family uh, Regional Park. More in a moment. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Someone told me long ago, there's a calm before storm. I know. I mean, we got sunshine, Carolina, we got palm trees, we got Brooks in and out of Rondack. I mean, what else you want? <laughs> Ah, dang, Carlina, I mean, good. Are you kidding I make me? Adirondacks look good, you're is that what you're out, saying? Yeah, you're in, you got Brooks in Adirondack, you got, you got I mean, the Adirondacks the, make me look The good. sun, I mean, this is fantastic stuff out here. I this will say, I think your volunteers kind of are like, wait a minute, we're working hard so, while you so, guys are just relaxing so let me out tell you what, here. So let me tell you about today. Honestly, so we had to, we never held the Heritage Game before, and there were 500 students out here, and uh, we had never done it before. Well, we got hit. The concession stand got hit. We had nine of us in there. I mean, between hot dogs and hamburgers and nachos. And, and let me tell you what, all elementary school kids, and understand this, my daughter's 31, okay? So it's been, and I don't have grandkids. So it's been a long time since I've been around the elementary school slash middle school slash, well, what a... 22-ounce bone-in ribeye is to me, chicken fingers are to the kids, okay? Yep. 
we might have sold more chicken fingers. I don't know what the Guinness record is <laughs> for chicken fingers sold in an hour and a half. We might have set it. I'm just telling you, wherever the number, we set the bar today, Hayes, on chicken fingers sold in one sitting. I'm just telling you. Those sound good. Can we sample those Oh, right they're now? good. They are very good. I'm just telling you. We, we, we ran through the chicken fingers today. Ran through them. Well, I'm sure that everybody who has volunteered this week knows that uh, they are donating to a fantastic cause. And as somebody who serves little kids hot dogs once a month, you know, I know all about it. You know all about it. You really do. Hey, so Tiger played in the Genesis today. Do you get the he's sense? He's still playing. And he's, still, he's playing yep. in the Genesis today. Do you kind of get the sense? And I know you've, all, you've, you've been on the Tiger's always going to make the cut, and I'm the guy that always says he's never going to make the cut. And you and I have gone back and forth on this haze forever. And I'm always the Tiger's not going to make the cut guy. And it's no knock on Tiger. He's just a, he's just an older guy that's had a lot of injuries. He's it, it, even it. through 14, just so you know. But I, that's but quality. I, but I, but <laughs> quality golf right there. That's Tiger. But I do Tiger get, never dazzles you on day one. But, but, I, do, but I, I get the impression. Just steady golf. But I get the impression he might be, this might really be a legitimate resurgence of sorts. I, I get that feeling a little bit. That, 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 that maybe all those cuts you keep thinking he's going to make every year and I keep thinking he's not going to make every year. This might be a resurgence of sorts. I get that feeling a little bit. Well, he's only going to play what really helps is now that he's healthy, if, if he can stay healthy, he's only going to play events that he has a great familiarity with. Now, the majors bounce around, but he's been doing it for so long now that right. there's a good chance wherever the U.S. Open or British or PGA is, Tiger's probably – competed in a major at that course but certainly augusta right uh the stadium course uh where he's won twice the 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 knowledge of getting around the golf course is invaluable and it, it's something that we talk a lot about it if you're if you're into golf you understand that horse for the course and right. and things like that but it's almost it, it's it's diff- i don't know that you you capture it in any other sport because in golf the the facility that you're playing at takes on so much more meaning than it does in football and basketball where it's standard elements and measurements and you know baseball can be a little different but it's still basically a baseball field uh golf is is a totally different animal in terms of if you know how to get around a course uh you can beat players that are much younger and and certainly playing at a, a consistently a much higher level i mean tiger's never gone out there and stunk for any length of time. I mean, he had a couple moments in one of his recoveries where he, you know, he, he wasn't playing particularly well. But for the most part, when Tiger Woods is healthy, Tiger Woods makes cuts. Now, he may not win the event, you know, but he's going to probably finish somewhere in the top 30. So, again, it all comes down to his health. But if he's healthy, you know, I, I think he, he can regularly make cuts and play on weekends and, and things like that. And when he's at a venue that he knows, like, the back of his hand, I mean, like, if he gets to the Masters healthy, he absolutely can win the Masters because he knows every millimeter of it. He knows exactly how to play it. And I, that just that means a ton in that sport. It certainly does. And it it's good to see him when he's relaxed playing golf. I think it, it's frustrating for me to watch Tiger – be so labored when he plays at times yeah, yeah but today at least the the small portion that i watched he looked like he was comfortable and not in a ton of pain by the way this is your leaderboard currently Cantley is seven under so again I just your, guy. your guy your guy by, by the way you know all, you know all these guys are uh, like a son to you yeah he's not <laughs> well 
anybody you hate that bad is like a son to Lauren and me. Okay, <laughs> okay, just it's, it's certainly me. By the way, not so good update. Tiger Woods is now one over through 15. So just as we were talking about that's him and, and praising him, uh, giving him a little love, uh, he bogey, but that's okay. Uh, so then Cam Davis is in second place, solo second place. He's at six under. Then you got Tom Hogue, Jordan Spieth, Will Zalatoris, and Luke List all at five under. I wonder if we talked about Justin Thomas and could this be a, a much better year for him? We certainly would like to think so. Jordan Spieth, it feels like this – he started to gain a little momentum last season. feels like this is a, a year that he could be playing a lot better too. I'd love to see it. I, I, I think he of, – of the fan favorites out there, of the, of the people out there, that if they really got it going, would excite the fans, I think he's high on that list. I think I think Jordan Spieth might be. He might be one. He might be number one on the list. Fowler that, would that, be that, up there too. He would. He would. But I don't. I don't sense that he's. He's. Well, he could get back in, and I guess you're right. You're right. Fowler's up there too. And who can it be now? Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. What's that? <laughs> who can <laughs> it be now? He's a. He's a fan. <laughs> kind of teed you up for that, didn't I? So you did. The. Uh, but no, I, I think uh, Jordan, if Jordan Spieth could be like great again, yeah, I think people would love that. I think people would love. Yeah, I think people would love that. We'll see it. I, I'm getting excited that golf season's here. Lee coming on with us every week, and he comes on. He comes on prime time as well, and, uh, and getting to talk golf with him, getting excited about golf season around here. I, I yeah, and again, I if you haven't listened to our show in recent years, Hayes is a, a Tiger fan, and Hayes is a believer and kept believing all these years that Tiger was going to bounce back and be be competitive again. And I appreciate you feel. I've never felt that way, and it's not anti-Tiger. I just think a guy his age that beat up that's been through all he's been through, it's going to be very hard for him ever to be competitive again. But I find myself thinking that maybe, just maybe, this could be a time when it could happen. And it'll be, it'll be, we all want it to happen, you know. Whether you, regardless of whether you were a Tiger fan or a Phil fan back in the day, we all kind of want it to happen now, right? Yeah, you I mean, know? he just won the Masters a yeah, few years ago. Right, it wasn't that long ago that he, that he, that he won a match. And I, I mean, but listen, we, with, all the, with all the controversy and bad that has been golf, uh, I say bad, that's not true. But of all the controversy that we've had to live with with Liv and PIF and all that, I don't think there's any debate that Tiger Woods, a rally for Tiger Woods, would be spectacular. would be spectacular for the game. There's no more two sides of it. There were two sides of Tiger. LeBron. You rooted for LeBron or you rooted against LeBron. Well, that hasn't changed yet. There's still, I still think the people that rooted against LeBron still root against LeBron. But I don't think there's anybody against Tiger. Don't you sense that? I think given what he's gone through and the fact that he's still trying to, to, to bounce back, that, that he's been such a good voice for the tour on top of all that, I don't think there's the negative anymore on Tiger. I, I think there's the – I think everyone's rooting for him to be good. I, I, think, I think we would all love that Tiger resurgence. I guess that's the point. If Tiger had never had the accident, maybe it would be a little different. Maybe. Um, but You're right. when that happened, certainly I think that's when everyone who wasn't a Tiger fan before said, you know what? Uh, the fact that he's even able to walk is probably a miracle. Yeah, I think so too. So yeah, so hopefully he'll bounce. I hope he bounces back. Keep an eye on Zalatoris too. Yeah. He was playing great golf. Great play. Uh, got great the play. yips with the putter, yep. and then had I believe a wrist injury that kept him out for p- pretty much all of last year. Uh, but before the injury and before his issue was putting, he was like top three in every major he was competing in. I mean, he was so consistent. He was never able to kick the door down, but he's such a young player that it felt like that was coming. He gets derailed. He's another player that I think could, could make a, a big move. It's good to see him at 5-under. Obviously, he's starting to figure some things out, get healthy. Will Zalatoris could be a guy that's a major factor 
in the big tournaments this year. Great point about the fact that before his injury, he was on the cusp, wasn't he? He was really on the He was really on the He cusp. finished second in the major two years ago, just barely, the one in May. I can't remember who he finished second to. I can't remember now, but it came down, I think, to the playoff. Yeah, so he was, he was very close. So we'll see. It'll be, it'll be fun to see who won. And you've got me paying attention to JT. I, I think you're – that's a – I think JT's who won that PGA. Yeah. I think he beats Al Torres. In the, I could be wrong. Okay, but I, that's I think, what I think. Yeah, that the, sounds right. But you got me thinking about that as well. He's so going to win the players. <laughs> you know what? I don't know that I would be totally shocked. You know? No, it's not like I'm picking, like, yeah, you yeah. Know, Fuzzy Zeller. Right, right. I mean – you know, it's uh, Tom Kite, right? Um, but uh, but no, I I think that I think it's going to be his uh, yeah. his announcement to the world that he's back. Well, we'll Fowler, by the way, McElroy both two under. Okay, so Ricky Fowler in play. Very mm-hmm. good. Great. We'll continue to give you updates. We'll take a break. Let's talk a little college hoop when we come back. This is Ten Ten XL and ninety two point five FM. The Frangie Show live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on Ten Ten XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Fortunate Sun by Creedence Clearwater Revival today live here at the Brigham Baseball Complex. Frank Frangie Hayes, Carolina. I'm Lauren Brooks. RJ Saunders back at Tenton XL headquarters making it all happen. This is one of my favorite CCR songs. Uh, that's Hayes' first favorite, isn't it? Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, remember one time? One they time all we, are, but, you know. One time we played Old Rock Thursday at CCR, and I didn't play that. You guys, why didn't you play Fortunate Sun? You know what? <laughs> that's, that's duly noted. My favorite one is probably looking out my back door. That's like another good one. That's probably my favorite one. But There's uh, so many good ones, though. Yeah, CCR was a great band. CCR was a, I mean, that was, that was one of those, all those 70s mm-hmm. bands, man. That was a, that was a, they were a, they were a great. Is the 70s the best era for music? I mean, I mean, everyone's got you their, could certainly make the case. I mean, everyone's got their preference. I mean, I'm, it's my favorite because that's my age. We all have our age. But what, what is generally, what's generally regarded as 70s. the best rocker? 70s, would you, I, I would say. Would you say? Yeah. As far as rock, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? 80s? No, I would say it's between the 60s and 70s. 60s and 70s? But, uh... 60s good, too. Yeah, you're right. Because that's when rock really came around. Yeah. That was the... I feel like 60s was more rhythmic rock, almost pop-like. And the 70s had a little of everything. Had some pop, had some real rock rock, like rock rock. Does CCR have, like, ballads? Because I don't think I've ever, like, I, and I don't listen to, like, every album that they have you know, start to finish. I, you know what I know? I've Hayes, never heard one. Hayes, I know the hits. Yeah. Like, who'll But then it seemed like they would have, yeah. like, some amazing ballad. Yeah. And, but I, I can't think of what it I would be. I can't either. I can't either. No, I can't. I mean, there's rhythm to everything. All the songs I know by them all has the rhythm to yeah. it. Yeah. And it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's a great point. I can't think of any ballads. Can you? I mean, like, off the top of my head, the slower no. ones are like, I put a spell on you. But I wouldn't call that a ballad, ballad. by any means. It's not a ballad. Yeah, yeah, not so, a ballad. Yeah, so no. So, but CCR, I, I think '70s probably. Again, I, I'm biased because that's my age. But it, but it's an interesting, interesting point. Uh, long as I can see the light, that might be the slowest. I don't think I know it. You would know that okay, one. Okay, yeah. So. Long as I 
can see the light. Oh, I do know. Yeah, yeah. you know yeah, that you're right. That's probably closest. Um, that's probably, yeah, I would say the closest. All right, let's talk a little college hoop. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for JU last night, Frank, uh, they did not win on the road at Kennesaw State, fell 66 to 61. Uh, and obviously three players in double figures, so that part was good, but just couldn't quite uh, get their free throws in order. I saw the percentage. I don't have it off the top of my head, but I want to say it was like 35.9% from the free throw line. Is that what they were? Did they? Because here's what's significant now. you got to be in that top 10 out of 12 to make the conference tournament. And the conference tournament really, in a conference, well, all conferences, but the conference like in a one-bid league like the A-Sun, that is step one of the NCAA tournament. You're 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 in you're in NCAA tournament play-in games when you're when you're in the Atlantic Sun tournament. And JU's tied for tenth. So here's where here's where they stand now. JU and Queen, the, the last three teams in it, the last three teams in the in the standings, JU and Queens are both four and eight. Bellarmine's two and nine. So Bellarmine's probably going to be out. Yeah, I would agree. JU and Queens right now. Remember now. Kennesaw's five and seven by virtue of the win over JU last night. If JU had won that game, they'd be five and seven. They'd be ahead, and then Kennesaw would be four and eight. And JU plays Queens tomorrow night at seven o'clock, so that is a and, massive and game for what we're talking That's the significance. About. JU, which beat Queens here in town, we saw that, that game. That was a thriller of a game. A thriller game, and now now JU plays Queens on the road. Both are four and eight in the league. Look, we're getting close now. We got a week or so left. You know, JU is four and eight in the league. Queens is four and eight in the league. That is a very significant game for. For uh, for that Ju that Ju team, um, and, and and again that's why that loss to Kennesaw was so significant. Meanwhile, North Florida, which had been struggling, really got a nice win. Ju got the nice win over Queens on the road. I'm sorry, UNF got the nice win. Now, boy, they they just needed Matthew Driscoll's team just needed a stop the bleeding win, didn't they? I mean, that, that's what they, it was a stop. They needed that. To stop the bleeding. Yeah, nobody saw the three games, three losses in a row coming. Yeah, yeah. So they got, so they got it to where now they're seven. Now they can breathe easy. Easy. They're 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 seven and five. They're in the conference tournament now. It's just about seeding and can you get a home game. Remember now, the A Sun start to finish is home court. There's no there's no neutral site game. So the highest seeded team plays a. You like that? By the way. Alex Ricker Gilbert doesn't love it. He told me he'd rather see him play in a neutral site, and certainly he knows his league better than I know it. Uh, conversely, I think Nick Morrow kind of likes it. Mm-hmm. I th- I think there there is some magic to a neutral site tournament. I agree with that. There, there's magic to a neutral site tournament. But I think it's a, a, a league the size of, of the A-Sun, you're better off playing at home and home. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I I. Because I just can't imagine the attendance would right. line up if you went to a, a neutral city. I, I, you know, I, I hate to say that, but, I, but think, it's reality. I would think economically this would be the better model. Yeah, I totally agree. We always, Frank, talk about, and I'm sure a lot of people who were there understand why we talk about it, that 2015 ASUN championship right. game that UNF hosted at UNF Arena and beating USC Upstate and the I mean you couldn't hear yourself think it was so incredibly loud and so to have that opportunity at your home gym I think that's an incredible opportunity not just for your student athletes but all the students that attend the school too I would say this I would say in the last golly 10 15 20 years if you take Jaguar games don't count Jaguar games because nothing compares with the Jaguar game when the Jags are doing well that's 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 the NFL but if you take Jaguar games off the list, we just get a win gust here. How about that? If you take Jaguar games off the list, I would say that that UNF game, that UNF game against Upstate, might have been as significant.
a crowd buzz than I've ever been to, at least in the last 10, 15 years in Jacksonville. I mean, again, no, nothing compares with Jaguar games. But if you don't count Jaguar games, you weren't at that game. But I'm telling you, Hayes, it, no. it, it was one of the most amazing things. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. The crowd, packed house at UNF Arena. Crowd never sat down. I mean, it was it was. It, you felt like you were in Cameron Indoor in Jacksonville. You really did. It was amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, hopefully, we'll we'll have uh, an experience uh, like that coming up. Uh, if if UNF can get yeah. high, JU, obviously, it's it's going to be a tough road. I think to to get to the final, they you know, have to be road warriors. But um, the 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 free throw shooting last night was uh, was just simply putrid. Uh, to go seven of eighteen from the foul line wow. in a game that you lose by five points. Yeah, I mean that's seven just, of eighteen. That just can't happen. Seven it cannot happen. Yeah, uh, in Division One basketball. Yeah. So uh, uh, obviously uh, that has got to get turned around. And I'm sure Ju is just sick today. Because that's a giveaway. Yeah, that's I mean, right. That's yeah, just 38%. an absolute, percent, absolute yeah. giveaway. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. You're seven or eighteen. You're, by the way, you're seven or eighteen. You're supposed to lose the game, but that, that's just, that's just the way it works. Yeah, and that has to be incredibly frustrating for Jordan Mincy because you know you practice that. I mean, Florida fans certainly went through that at kind of the start of this season when the team wasn't playing well and, and the free throw shooting. Even the other night, you know, Tyree Samuel when he goes one for two in critical moments, it's very frustrating. Yeah, I, I would think that nationally. You pay. You guys pay. I mean, I don't pay attention hardly at all. Um, I wish I paid attention more, but I do find myself intrigued with how UConn's the best team. Uh, UConn, Purdue, Houston, Marquette, Arizona—that's the top five. Mm -hmm. But I find myself thinking, UConn's UConn's the best team. UConn, UConn, UConn. I mean, the obviously Purdue's got ED, so they've certainly got the best interior game. But I find myself a little more intrigued. Are there any sleepers that, that I mean, is t can Tennessee get in the mix? Is Tennessee good enough that they could be a Final Four team? Well, this is how you know that I must have a lot of faith in Todd Golden and where the Gators program is going. <laughs> yeah. Because last night I watched Auburn, South Carolina, and a little bit of Tennessee, Arkansas. Right. And uh, Tennessee absolutely has the makings of a team that can make a run. The Connect kid is unbelievable. Uh, we saw, obviously, the game in which Florida went up there and, and really wasn't overly competitive, uh, and, and Dalton Connect was amazing that night. I watched him about, I watched about 20, 25% of their game last night with Arkansas. It wasn't overly close. I mean, he made two or three spectacular plays just in the lim little bit that I watched of him. He's an unbelievable athlete, and, uh, and Auburn just absolutely crushed South Carolina. South Carolina, that in terms of Florida's you know remaining road, that's their third hardest game. When you look at the net, they have two against Alabama, who's obviously a top five team, and then South Carolina is right in that. They dropped after losing last night, but they're in the top fifty. It's a quad one win if Florida goes up there. So I'm watching the game, and this is when it was competitive, and I'm trying to imagine Florida's skill against South Carolina's, and. Anybody can play bad on a given night. South Carolina was on the road. But just looking at their athletes, I will be surprised if Florida doesn't beat them. Uh, I think South Carolina has been some smoke and mirrors. I think they're a complete fraud. And really? I, yeah, Even at 21-3, and three, huh? Complete fraud. Uh, and uh, I think South Carolina is getting ready to tailspin uh, from watching. And, again, I understand you're at Auburn, really tough place to play. Auburn's coming off a – a tough showing in Gainesville. So I'm not even basing it on 
last night's result. And, and South Carolina won at Tennessee. I give them a ton of credit for that. But I, they look to me like a team that probably caught some people by surprise, now has everyone's attention, and isn't nearly talented enough to handle that. So uh, I would expect South Carolina to fall off, which is good for Florida because, again, they're one of the teams that Florida's fighting to be a top-four seed. I mean, they're, theoretically, they're fighting to win the SEC, although I, I don't think that's going to happen. But they're, they're not certainly out of it. But, uh, but getting a top-four seed in the SEC tournament is very much in play, and South Carolina is ahead of them now. So I think Florida can catch them. Um, the other thing for the Gators to watch out for is Pitt. If you're a Florida fan, you need to be cheering for Pitt because Pitt has moved up to 52nd in the net. And Florida has a victory over Pitt on a neutral court earlier this season. Well, a quad one win is a neutral court win over a top 50 team. And they're, so where if are they now? Pitt is 52nd. Okay. If Pitt can get into the top 50, then Florida now has a third quad one win. Uh, and so it, it, it's, 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 all, it, it's not when you played them. It's all how it shakes out. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so that would become a quad one win for the Gators if Pitt can get into that top 50. So when you're not watching Florida, you should be watching Pitt and pulling hard <laughs> well, that's, for the well, Panthers. Well, now I've got my road yeah, map. Yeah. I've got my what to watch road map. Best bet what to watch the next Pitt I mean, game. That's, I, again, that's my best bet what to watch. It, yeah, dang there Pitt you games. Go. I don't know what you're watching, Brooks. I'm watching the dang Pitt game. Again, it doesn't really matter for Florida getting in at this point. They're, they're safely in. But, you know, you do want to get the best seed possible. Avoid that 8-9 if you can help it. And getting Pitt to become a quad one win uh, would, you know, would go a, a long way to, to helping Florida in that cause. It'll be interesting to see. I will say this. Um, it's interesting your comments about South Carolina. I haven't watched them. Lamont Paris has got to be the coach of the year, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. And I, and running I, for yeah. yeah, and I, I, I'm not taking anything. They're a great story. They've had an yeah. unbelievable year. You just don't think their team's that good. But I'm telling yeah. you, now that we're getting to the nitty-gritty of this thing and watching Auburn – Watching Tennessee, obviously watching a lot of Florida. Uh, and, again, I'm not putting it on just that they went to Auburn and got killed. In watching the game and looking at the athletes they have and how they play, I would be surprised if they have staying power in the final three, four weeks of the SEC regular season. Well, obviously, t- tomorrow we'll talk more about the Florida game uh, because, because they play at Georgia. But, obviously, now Florida is, 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 emer- is a surging team. I mean, clearly, when, you're, when you've won six of seven, I think it is, you're surging. No matter how close the games were at the end, when you've won six out of seven, you are now a surging team. There was one point they were looking up at Georgia. Yeah, right. That's right. So, but, They've lapped them. But I will say this. We'll talk, again, we'll talk more about it tomorrow as we preview the games. But I will say this. My, my question about the Florida team, it, it, my, my, my absolute question about Florida is, look, this is a, a Florida team now that the, there's now a book on them that if you zone them, and if you three-quarter court press them, you keep them out of their offense, they're, they're no good on offense. Now, listen, I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I can't imagine why some of these other teams that they're, that they're getting these big leads against haven't done it earlier in the games. Haven't that run through, I mean, why are you waiting until the second half when Florida's up 18 to, to go to the 1-3-1 zone or to go to the three-quarter court press? It's interesting. I heard somebody bring up fatigue is a factor that to play that way for 
the majority of a okay. game, right, it's hard it. to do that and and keep guys fresh. Kind of like full court. Press. So yeah, so I don't know if it, if that plays into Makes it. Makes sense. Now, if you're Mike White, you got nothing to lose. You've lost five straight. Right. I mean, Georgia's basically circling the drain. They'd have to win the SEC tournament right. to get in. So I mean, what do you have to lose? I mean, even if you know if it doesn't work, you 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 guys get fatigued late and you you know you lose, you lose. But so you could see Georgia try to employ it uh, more than. But that's that's been the counter that I've heard is that which makes sense. It's it's difficult to do it unless you're super deep. And if you're Todd Golden, bring it on, Mike White, because you want your team to face it for yeah. more. Well, they need, they need well, to figure it out now. That, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. That's a great point. You want right now? You have to figure out how to do it because look, we watch every dribble of those Gator games. It is a problem. Uh, the, even more than the zone, I think the three quarter court press, which which really does tax you, Hayes, to your point, which is a fair point. But I think the three-quarter court press bothers them even more because you know, Florida's a team clearly on offense needs to find a rhythm. They need to find that rhythm offensively, and that keeps them from doing it. They, 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 when their half-court offense, when they don't get up court quickly, is a whole different offense. They, 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 the tempo has changed so significantly. They're really good in transition, which is right. one thing I feel like we haven't seen for years for Florida basketball. And they own the glass. Yeah. So, I mean – they're, offensively, Florida is outstanding. And, and to your point, teams are going to have to understand that you have to throw more probably level of disruption than you would like to do. Uh, so we'll see. That'll start you know, Saturday. We'll see how Georgia plays it. But, I mean, Florida, again, I don't think this can be undersold. They've dropped a little bit in scoring, but they're still 12th in the country. They're 12th in the country. There's 358 teams playing D1 basketball in Florida who had no offense right. for six or seven years. Yeah. Right. Is in his second year, they're 12th in the nation in scoring. Great. And, again, in terms of the big programs, I'm counting Gonzaga. I'm, so I'm counting the power program, the, the power conference programs, and I'm throwing in Gonzaga because they feel like a, a basketball blue blood. Yeah, and you—they're sixth, right? If you factor in, if you take out the teams in the lower conferences, right, and you go Gonzaga and teams that compete in big conferences in the country, Florida is sixth in scoring offense. And you've played enough now that is a good sample. Yeah, there's no fluke. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, they're playing in arguably right. the best league in the country. Right. They, they, and with the way he's done that, and one good offensive players, but they race down court and they get shots up. I so many teams. And Mike White teams were guilty of this. Even Jay Ulo, I've told Jordan Mincy and I've had this talk, they, they're not sure what's a good shot. I'd way rather have my team every now and then take some bad shots than pass up good shots. And, I, and that's today's basketball is take, get shots up, get shots up. And, and they get so many second chances because well, of the rebounding. And, and that's the and other part. They're much yeah. closer to the basket when they get those second and, chances. And well, two things. Two, number one, correct. Number one, you're going to score more points if you have more, 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 more possessions, and they get secondary possessions all the time. Secondly, your shooting percentage is going to, you're right, Lauren, your shooting percentage is going to be higher because because putbacks, offensive rebounds turn into layups right. and tip Or dunks yeah, in this or, team's right. case, yeah, or putbacks. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's interesting. Let's take a break. When we come back, let me re-rack it a little bit from the top of the program. Ryan Nielsen met with the media. Uh, talked about it. He's the brand-new defensive coordinator. Uh, you heard it on our radio station. Compliments from our friends at Jaguars.com. We were able to play it on the radio station today. And then at the top of our show, you heard some of his key comments. We played a bunch of those to start the program. We'll kind of look back at some of the things Ryan Nielsen said, the brand-new defensive coordinator of the Jaguars. That's next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. 
Hit back with Hastings. It's five o'clock somewhere. It's five o'clock somewhere. Here, that means it's time for more football. Football. Football at five. Five o'clock somewhere. On the Frangie Show. This is our fourth day at the Bragan Baseball Complex at Fort Family Regional Park here in Jacksonville. Brand new facility hosting the walk-off charities baseball and softball classic. Uh, right now the Bishop Snyder-Wolfson game continues along again. We can't give you scores because we don't have a scoreboard. But uh, next year I promise you that will be rectified. Next week it will be rectified. And so, uh, so that's coming pretty quickly. But it's been a beautiful week out here. Beautiful day today for baseball and softball. Uh, First Coast and Episcopal playing on the softball side. Uh, there to our left, right in front of us. Uh, we're, we're in right center field today. We're in the best bet fun zone, which is a fun place to watch uh, these games. Artificial turf under our feet, too, not just the players. And so we have the turf field and uh, the Adirondack chairs, and uh, there's high tops out here for when the travel tournaments come out here. The people will be having kind of a big time out here. So we've had a fun time being out part of this. But it is a football hour. Uh, football always at five around here. I can sleep here tonight. Right? You can sleep here. <laughs> These chairs are pretty comfortable, aren't they? Yeah. Why leave, right? I, I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to hang out in the fun Absolutely. zone and have fun. You and know what? It's tired, a fun I'm zone. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> there you go. It's a great. And you'll be here for the ball tomorrow. Yeah. Start at 1 o'clock tomorrow. So there you go. Uh, Ryan Nielsen met the media. You were there today, Hayes. Uh, we've played a lot of the comments. Uh, we played it live on the radio station, complimentsofjaguars.com. And then we uh, certainly played uh, the majority of his comments earlier in this program as well. Uh, your overview, what, what did you take from uh, uh, the new head of the defense? I was really impressed. You know, I, I think uh, Ryan Nielsen, first off, it was it, – it's, it's the way he started, I, I give him a lot of credit for. He comes in, he makes a point. You know, there's 25, 30 people in the room. Uh, he makes a point to go around and shake everybody's hand and introduce himself and, uh, and then just sort of chatted informally – uh, with some reporters uh, until uh, the press conference began for probably, you know, five, ten minutes, uh, and just very comfortable up there. And that tells me that he's he is, A, he's incredibly intelligent, and, uh, and B, that, that he's very confident in his vision for this. And so I, I feel very good uh, having uh, now heard Ryan Nielsen talk for the first time about being here and, and his road to get here and, and his uh, – you know, his plan. And so I, I think, uh, again, I think it's uh, – I feel better about it. I was concerned when we heard about the hire that it wasn't a more seasoned defensive coordinator. My concerns have been somewhat alleviated now having seen him, talked to him, uh, and, uh, and, and I, I think that he's going to build strong relationships here with the players. And, uh, and I think he has a very good sense of where the league is right now offensively and, and how to go about stopping it. So I feel good about where it's headed. And, uh, you know, again, I think he's got some talent to work with. I do think corner becomes a bigger priority. Having, listening to Ryan today, the, the big football takeaway for me was him talking about, you know, being asked, how do you get off the field on third down? You know, what's sort of your basic tenet of that? And – you know, he made the point of saying the the rush is obviously important, but 
we can't allow the quarterback to get the ball out of his hand in a microsecond. You know, we our coverage has got to hold up enough to let our rush get home. And, th- and that's always the, the balance any defensive coordinator uh, tries to, to strike is what's the what's obviously rushing cover is is hugely important. But which one is is it the cover that makes the rush or is it the rush that makes the cover? And I got the impression today from Ryan Nielsen that, yes, both are incredibly important, but the coverage has to be sound first or it's not going to matter how good your edge guys are if the quarterback is getting the ball out in a, in a half a second. So to me, corner today, not that it's Ryan Nielsen's call, but I think there is alignment between Balky Peterson and Nielsen. To me, corner at 17 to me, took a, a step forward on my priority list. Uh, I think John Shipley's done a good job of, of from the beginning saying what it, uh, a big need that was. And I think to hear Ryan Nielsen talk about it today, you know, I, I, I see what Shipley is saying more in, in, hearing, uh, in hearing Ryan Nielsen vocalize his plan for the defense and, and how you get off the field on third down. Because other than Tyson Campbell, there haven't been that many resources as far as the draft to be appropriated to that position. So, yeah, I can certainly understand that. I would say, Frank, listening to Doug Peterson talk football, you walk away going, man, that guy really knows his stuff. That's what I walked away with today with Ryan Nielsen just watching online. He seems like a guy who really knows his stuff, and I think his personality will fit Doug Peterson's. They're opposite sides of the ball, obviously, as far as what they're focusing on. But Ryan Nielsen seems like a guy that I can understand why players who have played for him have talked so glowingly about him. Yeah, me too. I, I And I said this before. I, I said this yesterday even before the, the presser. We've seen enough of these that I had a pretty good idea what he was going to say. He wasn't going to commit to a scheme. He was going to say he wasn't going to talk about the roster because he hasn't seen it yet. He was going to say glowing things about the personnel he was asked about specifically, Trayvon and Josh Allen. It, it wasn't any mystery of what some of the, some of the stuff he was going to say because he said the right stuff. What I like to do is judge a guy. What's his tone? What's his body language? Is he a guy that I think people will, will follow, that will lead? And I really saw that. I, I, I really heard that. I, mean, I wasn't there. I'm like, Lauren, I watched it online and, 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 and then also listened again. But, I, but I, uh, th- that's the, the buzz I get is that that's who he is and, and that he will lead and people will respond to him. And I, he's a football coach, man. Some guys just come off as a ball coach. This guy's a ball coach. And, and, I, and, I, and Hayes, we talked about it yesterday, and you reiterated it, I think, today. By all accounts, this is the head coach of the defense. This isn't a, this isn't a guy I, I think – I loved what he said about Doug Peterson, by the way, that he said, listen, he said, I, I happened to work with a guy last year who had been on a staff with Doug before, and you can't imagine how many good things he said about him. I believe that. Who wouldn't want to work for Doug Peterson? I mean, Doug Peterson's as good a guy. I can tell you, I've told you guys this before, I, and it's an honor for me, but I get, to, I get to meet with Doug just one-on-one once a week during the season, just so he can give me kind of an idea what to look for. You know, if a, if a guy's going to be, if a guy's going to be a surprising healthy scratch, I don't want to have him high on my board. And Doug will tell me that he'll say, "Listen, do you, Joe Blow, we may not. Joe Blow might not, We may scratch Joe Blow today. We may, we may. He may be down today, and we may do this a little bit this week. He might. And he's really, uh, he understands the importance for a play-by-play guy having at least an idea where you're headed. And he's, but but just being around him, being seeing what a regular guy is, hearing him talk football. He's a good dude, man, and I can see why a guy would really want to play for him or coach under him, and I like the fact that uh, Ryan Nielsen said that today. I mean, it was you're always going to say that at your boss, but I thought it was real, didn't you? Yeah. I, I thought the comments about Doug were, number one, because I know that about Doug. Number two, 
it was very real. He offered that on. It's not like somebody said, hey, what made you want to coach for Doug Peterson? What do you think of Doug Peterson? He brought up Doug when someone started asking what was attractive about the job. Yeah, no doubt about it. The, on, the only thing that Ryan Nielsen said today that, that I raised my eyebrow at is he was asked about playing the Jaguars last season and his impressions, and uh, he complimented Trevor and, and the weapons, and he said, and obviously the physical offensive line, and uh, he'll find out in, in training camp, unless it's hopefully revamped. Uh, but, uh, but no, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that uh, it is appealing. It's, uh, Doug Peterson is, a, is absolutely a salt-of-the-earth earth guy, and he's not one of these taskmasters that, you know, I think grinds assistance into the ground. And so I do think it's a good place to work. And, I, I mean, if you're a defensive coordinator – you want to be under a head coach that's an offensive guy. And, that's right. And I think Doug Peterson, I think it's a critical year. Uh, so I think he needs to take more of the reins of the offense, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if he kind of realizes that. So he needs, he needs a defensive coordinator that he feels like he's got this. And while Ryan Nielsen doesn't have a ton of experience as a coordinator, it isn't hard to hear him today, uh, hear him talk, see his – you know, the aura he has about him and say that guy is probably going to be a pretty good defensive coordinator in this league for a long time. Plus, he can't lie. He looks like Dale Earnhardt Jr. He does. Like, <laughs> he has a solid mustache. That, that look, is, he may yeah, look like that senior. That's quite the stash. He actually might look, Did I say junior? I totally he, he meant looks, senior. He looks yeah, like Dale senior. senior. He yeah, looks like he's got, the, he's got the, he's got he's the Dale got Earnhardt Dale's mustache. He's got Dale's mustache. Yeah, number three. <laughs> we'll take a break. We're live at the uh, Bregan Baseball Complex, the walk-off charities. High school baseball and softball tournament continues along on a beautiful, beautiful sun-kissed day here on the south side. Glad you're with us on 1010XL and on 92.5 FM. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. We're watching a little hardball out here at the uh, Bregan Baseball Complex, Fort Family Field, Fort Family Regional Park. Bishop Snyder and Wolfson playing now. Providence and Ponte Vedra tonight on the baseball side. Episcopal and First Coast going at it right now. On the softball side on a beautiful, beautiful Thursday. Good weather again tomorrow, we expect. And we're going to wrap up everything tomorrow. All the softball, all the baseball will be playing all day long. Uh, because we do anticipate that the rain is coming and it's going to be pretty nasty on uh, Saturday. Uh, speaking of baseball, the New York Yankees barely avoided their first losing season. It would have been the first losing season since 92. And uh, they didn't have a losing season, but they weren't very good. Obviously, Garrett Cole, who's one of my favorite players in baseball and, and clearly one of the best pitchers in baseball, um, said they're motivated. There's a chip on their shoulder, of course. Anyone who has a bad season always says that. But I wonder if uh, we said we had this conversation about the Cowboys, Hayes. I think the same thing about the Yankees. It's harder to be the Yankees, and it's really harder to be the Yankees when you start to fail. And I don't know that I see an immediate pipeline for them to suddenly be great again. I think they'll be better. They certainly uh, were active in free agency. But I think the Yankees are a very intriguing team this year. 
Yeah, I'm not buying it. I, I mean, I think they're pretenders until I see something different. And, uh, you know, the division's just so good. I mean, you have to Baltimore is. The Rays, I mean, the Rays are being way undersold. It, it, way un- if, 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 if people are expecting the Rays to win 85 games, that, that, they're, they're going to be better than that. I agree. Uh, the Blue Jays are very good. I uh, and you know I don't know what the Red Sox are doing, but um, <laughs> they don't either. Yeah, but I but I I think the the resistance is such that I, I'm not buying the Yankees. I don't think the the Yankees are going to be in the playoffs. I just I just don't I just to me they're they're even worse than the Cowboys. The Cowboys are at least good in the regular season. They may let you down in the the tournament. I I just think I just think these Yankees are going to underachieve again, and I don't think they're going to be very good. Yeah, and then the manager was under some fire last year in Boone, right? And then he survived the hot seat. But, yeah, Yeah. I feel like if they don't start off well, it's going to be – they're going to be looking for a new manager. He's a really interesting guy because in in recent years, people that struggle like they have have gotten fired. He's so well-liked. He's just – Aaron Boone's like – everybody really likes him. He's like – he's the – He's the Gus Bradley of uh, – I mean, he's just so well-liked, and it's bought him some time. But it's interesting. Now, they went and got Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll be you – know, On just a one-year deal? Yeah, I think right? it's a one-year deal. And what, But the interesting thing about Soto is he's so flamboyant that his his flair for the dramatic – how will that play in New York? Will it be? Will it heighten? I mean, you got a flair for the dramatic, and you just went to the Big Apple. Does that make you even better, or does it make it harder? You know, they got Marcus Stroman, too. Uh, I still think I think I think Cole's the best right-hander in baseball. He won the Cy Young last year. In, in, in the age of offense, you realize he had like a two six zero ERA. Wow. I mean, in in this age of offense, two six zero is pretty good now. I mean, so uh, I think he's the best right-hander in baseball right now. And Stroman's really good. And they got Juan Soto. And we haven't even mentioned Aaron Judge. And, and, right. And they still got the guys that are already there. Right. Aaron Judge. The Stanton. G- great. Great point. So so we'll see. I. Uh, but I agree with Hayes on this. The, the Tampa Bay, if you think the Tampa Bay Rays are just going to look up and all of a sudden they're fourth place, I don't buy that. Um, I don't buy the Blue Jays yet either. So, and can the Orioles be good again like that? I mean, maybe they can. They, got, yeah. they have a good young team, but they were bad for so long that you, you almost kind of have to see it again, don't you, before you're sold on it? Do I, do I hate to make this reference, Hayes, like the Jags? Like the people who weren't necessarily big believers in the Jaguars having one 9-8 season and – Going to the postseason, go. Eh, I need to see more before yeah, I believe more. it, they, and I hate to say it because it's our team, but I feel like that's how people are going to view the Orioles. That's, that's a great comparison. Yeah, it's a yeah, great analogy. Could, the The Orioles. The only thing I would say, didn't they have like an incredibly hot second half two years ago? Isn't theirs they like they a did. year? They've they had did. about two hundred good, like two hundred, two hundred twenty-five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So maybe there's a little bit more staying power with Baltimore. I mean. It's, uh, but the comparison's a good one, though. But like the first half of this Jag season, that, yeah, that yeah. would be the comparison. Yeah, the, the comparison's a good one. The comparison's a good one. I, uh, by the way, I want the Orioles to be good. Yeah, uh, I don't mind the Orioles. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got a history. Good they've fans. Been, they've been, right. They've been down for so long. And they, they, I think they're kind of a cool story. They're, they're a team. The Orioles are a team that I'd root for because they've been good over the years. And but not but not good in a long time. If you think of the history in my again, I was born in '58, so my real following was like mid '60s to mid '70s. Those are the formative sports fan years for me. And in the in the formative sports fan years for me, mid mid '60s to mid '70s, well, Orioles were great. I mean, you guys aren't old enough to appreciate that, but I mean that that was Frank Robinson and Brooks Robinson and Boog Powell and Davey Johnson and 
and, and Earl Weaver is the manager. That there, there were two, there were two great waves of Orioles. There was a great wave of Orioles in in that era, late '60s throughout the '70s, with Frank Robinson and Brooks Robinson and Boog Powell, Palmer, and Jim Palmer and Mike Quare. Yes, that was that was the first wave, and then there was the wave in the '80s with Cal Ripken and Eddie Murray when they won a World Series. So, so there were two great waves of Orioles, but man, there's been nothing since. They haven't sniffed anything since then. So. Yeah, I think they're kind of. A, I'm trying to think who who is what's the equivalent? Are they like the Vikings, who used to be great when Joe Cap and Tarkenton? You know what I mean? That, but then have had not had much success of. They're kind of that. Yeah. they're kind of that. I think they're almost sort of like if if the Orioles ended up being amazing and winning actual the Chiefs. Yeah, they'd kind of the, be like the Chiefs. The Chiefs are like that. The, the um, Chiefs had some success and then really none for the longest time until they got great. Yeah, so it it's going to be fun to see how that division shakes out. But yeah, I, I'm not picking the Yankees to win it. I don't think I am either. Baseball is going to be fun. Everyone's going to watch the Dodgers. I still think the Braves might have the best team. I, I, I Gosh, they're good offensively, man. I, I still think the Braves, I mean, it almost seems like every conversation people have about baseball starts with the Dodgers, Braves, and Yankees. Or, But, uh, man. I th- Dodgers and Braves, for sure. I don't know about the Yankees. I say Dodgers, Braves, and Yankees. Dodgers and Braves, for sure. Yeah. Doesn't start with the, we're all talking about the Yankees, but there aren't great expectations. You're right. Dodgers and Braves, for sure. In fact, I wonder who people think are the is. I wonder who people think is the next best team in baseball. If there's a power poll and you took the Dodgers and Braves off, well, it had to be the team that just won the World Series, right? And the Rangers. Would it be? I mean, wouldn't logic tell you that? Yeah. I guess that's what I and would it might think. Be, it they might, should be. Yeah, maybe up there. maybe should be, but isn't. But I hear you. I, I mean, they did. They did just win the damn thing. Yeah, the Rangers and they are went weird. Through the postseason on fire. The Rangers were all. The Rangers were almost like this team. They had a good team. They had a good season, and then once the playoffs got here, they were just stupid good. You know, it was almost like they were better in October than than. August through Sept- August and September indicated they would be. They were good. I mean, we don't get the playoffs if you're not good. But they were, they just got ridiculously good, I thought. I thought that's how the kind of season they had. Yeah, I mean, they they dominated the tournament. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they'd have to be up there. Another team in the division, the Astros, the still Ast- seem like. The Ast- you have to keep an eye on the Astros. Yeah, they're talked about a good bit. You have to keep an eye on the Astros. What, what do people think of the Rays? Do the Rays expect? I mean, Hey said that the over and under is 85. I think that's way low. I, I think that's there. the number you gave us, right? Yeah, I think I that's think right. So. And, and picked fourth in the division. Picked. Yeah, the fourth is, is certainly surprising. I think people are waiting to see Frank on the pitching staff because they've got, they're expecting a lot out of the young guys, and people right. haven't quite seen it from those guys yet. And then they have a couple guys that they're waiting to get back from injury as far as the pitching rotation is concerned. And then I think right now when people think Rays, I mean, Hayes, to me, other than they've been such a good winning franchise, the whole Wander Franco and how crazy that situation was, I feel like people still are connecting Franco and, I mean, this player that was supposed to be the next best player in all of Major League Baseball potentially, and then all of a sudden can't play baseball at least for a while. I feel like people are still connecting that story. Yeah, that makes sense because I'd forgotten about that. And, and he – the – the belief there is that he's done forever, right? I, they're not sure at this point in time. That was the original belief. Now more has to come out. But basically when Kevin Cash was asked about it, he was like, we're going to operate with the guys in our training, in our spring training camp. Like we're not focused on anyone who's not here. So certainly left it open-ended. For, for the here and now, yeah, he's not a part of So if they team. got something out of him this season, it'd be a bonus. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll be surprised if he plays this season, I think, with – 
litigation and everything like that. If he plays in the future, then maybe that wouldn't surprise me just based off of the results. But we all know how long it takes everything to go through the courts and when it's involving another country, you know, all that stuff. But, I mean, they have they have that junior Caminero guy, Frank, that, that people right. are excited about. But there's a lot of potential there, but there still needs to be a lot of, of guys that can prove that they can live up to that potential. The Rays are the one team, though. That those guys with potential always seem to pan out. And that's certainly the, the, from afar, yeah, absolutely. They're the team that it always – and they are really good at picking the guys and developing the guys. And if they don't – if they're not right on the rare occasion, they'll go trade for a guy right. that you've never heard of, <laughs> right, that's right. never done anything, right. and then he'll arrive in Tampa – and be fantastic. I've never noticed that. Is that is that exactly? <laughs> okay? I, didn't, I didn't know. I, I never noticed that happen. But so so maybe. Huh? So maybe O'Neill Cruz. Yeah, could yeah, right. Find on, his way right you guys need to put them on call blocks. Oh, no, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Why would you even talk to him? I, I don't oh, know. Why would you pick up? Don't the even phone? talk. Don't even talk to him. Is yeah. exactly right. Let's take a break. Uh, Lauren's going to wrap our program. It's been a beautiful Thursday out here. We've really enjoyed sure it. Sure has. Uh, Lauren's going to wrap the program right after this with news and notes. So stick around. The Frangie Show, live from the Hastings Injury Law Firm Studios on 1010XL. Hit back with Hastings. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. All right, Hayes, you're enthused about Jaguars new defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen. If I get you a T-shirt that says nothing cheap and nothing deep, will you wear it? I absolutely would wear it. I'd wear it to any occasion. <laughs> I mean, that's how excited I Church. would be. Church. Yeah. Thank you for the delineation. Funerals. Yeah. To, to, okay. yeah. Who's the guy at the funeral with the nothing cheap, nothing deep? Yeah. That's Hayes. Yeah. Bill would have wanted it this way. <laughs> that uh okay if you <laughs> missed the press conference oh, earlier funny. a few things that nielsen mentioned <laughs> his three keys he wants to stress on defense tackling takeaways and ball disruption i think tackling certainly uh is a key and we all know takeaways are important uh he also said he wants to be attacking and aggressive in everything that the jaguars do this will be jacksonville's defense so uh he'll certainly mix up coverages but seems like a, a guy hayes that will really connect with the players yeah, I think so. I mean, that was the the big point of, of emphasis today with Ryan in terms of that is just we got plenty of time for the X's and O's. Uh, right now it's about learning uh, these guys and, and meeting them and their families and, and forming that connection because it's, it's got to be there. It's got to be genuine. It's such a long season. I mean, you, you, you're basically there with each other day in and day out from late July, you know, at least through the beginning of January and you hope longer than that so that uh that personal connection has to be there because there's going to be times where you know there's there's going to be adversity and there's going to be arguments and there's going to be disagreements and as long as that personal friendship connection professional uh vibe is there then you can sustain that and and, and overcome it and and fix the problem so you know I I think that I think he's he's going to be a great fit here uh, I'm excited about the hire, M- much more now having met him and heard him than I was initially when I was like, ah, one year as a defensive coordinator, is that mm-hmm. is that really the route to go? But uh, but I, I think they've got a, a, a dynamic up-and-coming uh, defensive coordinator, potentially. Uh, so I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I feel uh, ditto, ditto everything he's just said. I, I feel the same way. I, I'm, I'm excited about um, watching him under him. I, he's been, from the, from the minute you heard he was going to be the guy – he was uh, it was it was well received by the fan base and others and I and I'm among them. 
I don't think y'all talked about this on Tuesday uh, when I had my hour off, but Peter King wrote that the discussion of Fred Taylor was the shortest of all of the Pro Football Hall of Fame candidates. Yeah, it was like 10, 12 minutes, yeah, I think. Yeah, 12 minutes and was the least. It was, it was like right in the ballpark of some of the others. Some of the guys that made it. I want to say Freenies was right around that. So <clears throat> you never know what these guys are going to get hung up on. And Peter King, you know, he can't give away exactly the specific right. conversations. Um, you know, look, it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a maybe a, a longer road than what we had hoped. Um, I, again, a lot can happen in a year. A lot of education can happen in a year. We saw it with you know Tony Baselli there were there were moments where you wondered is it ever going to happen and and thankfully it did and you know I I wouldn't base it I don't first off I don't think Peter King thinks Fred should be in so you're you're writing it from an author who he bashed Fred Taylor coming out of Florida I mean I remember Peter King being on inside the NFL uh ripping Fred Taylor for being a fumbler at Florida and I was like I think I I mean fumbler at Florida He's he's an electric player, yeah. um, and uh, and anyway, so I I think that I think uh, I think it's it's maybe a little further off than, than what we'd hoped. Marshawn Lynch may end up being it may end up being a good thing that he's coming online for this because I do think Pete's right. I, I mean, Fred Taylor obviously is a, was a much better player, but Marshawn Lynch I think has some because of beast mode and there's some. There's Marshawn Lynch does have a legacy of being a good football player. So I think when voters who might be Lynch fans see how Fred Taylor's numbers compare, you have to give Fred Taylor a second look. That's all this is. It's can the voters that are not on board on board, will they keep an open mind and go really get a second look at this case? Yeah. If they get a second look at the case, I think they're going to be very favorable to Fred Taylor's candidacy. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch brings running back back into play. That's the point. Is is now running backs are a part of the discussion point because of Marshawn Lynch's presence if it wasn't before. Listen, I said Fred Taylor belongs in the Hall of Fame. The numbers say it, the talent say it, the tape says it. Fred's Fred's problem is, and I've said this from day one, it's an awareness problem. People aren't aware of how how Hall of Fame worthy he is. It's not a problem. It's not. There's some guys that you know everything about their career, everything they've done. You're so aware. You can you can picture them in your mind. You, you can picture plays they made. You remember, and then at the end of the day, you're just not sure they're worthy. Fred doesn't have that problem. Fred's problem is the voter in Kansas City and Arizona and Chicago and L.A. isn't aware. He's just not. No matter how aware we are. Fred has Fred's suffering from an awareness problem. We've talked about all the reasons why the the lack of Pro Bowls because of the guys in bigger markets that were playing at the same time. We we we've, we've done that ad nauseum. But the reality is Fred's challenge is a, is an awareness problem that people aren't as aware. And the more he's on the ballot, he's finally a finalist. The longer you're a finalist, the more times people watch your tape, the more times people see your numbers, and you and they become more aware of you. And I'm totally convinced when people become more aware of Fred. And that's starting to happen. It's just, it's just beginning. But when that happens more, Fred Taylor will be in the Hall of Fame, I have no doubt. I also worry a little bit about the process because some of these discussion uh, candidates, I mean, it went for like 40 minutes to 50 minutes. So sometimes it's like, well, when do you fall in line? Like if they've just argued for 45 minutes about Buddy Parker – the next one might be short just by because you're tired. Because you're tired. Yeah, yeah. I you know, there's that. a human element to that. Of look, we got to get through all these guys, and uh, so well, I, I almost it took wonder. Up eight hours. Also, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, 
it, it makes you wonder, should they break this up? Yeah. Because it just seems that you would, you're introducing a, an element of fatigue into this that doesn't necessarily have to be there. Just maybe meet for three weekends. They're doing it virtually anyway. Yep. Uh, so maybe spread it out a little bit. And uh, that way, you know, it's 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 maybe four hours at a time as opposed to eight hours. I mean, look, on hour seven, I mean, if it's not yeah, a guy that right. you walked into the room that's saying right. I'm voting for him, you're probably tuning out that's and right. probably not going to ask the kind of question that might kickstart a debate in the right way. So I almost wonder, too, if it's just that it did his name get thrown out at, at kind of a inopportune time. I read that it was supposed to be in person, but I guess they had some bad weather and it was yeah. virtual. We all know the difference between an in-person meeting and a virtual meeting. It does not go the same. And so, yeah, I'm with you. A couple nuggets coming out of the Super Bowl. Uh, I know if you're a 49ers fan, uh, you didn't love this stat line. The Chiefs led the league in holding penalties this season, but have had zero holding penalties called against them in three straight Super Bowls. How about that? The, uh, I will say this. I do think the further you get down the line in football – even in basketball, officials call less, and I think that's good. Yeah, I, I let let the players decide it. So I didn't know that stat, but I like the fact that uh, I, I I've always said I'd rather see a, a penalty not called than a non-penalty called. I'd, I'd rather if something happens and the official didn't see it, I can live with it. If something didn't happen and the official calls it, that means he called something that didn't happen, which means he made it up, which I can't live with. Yeah, it's well put. And, you know, again, I, I think those officials know that if it turns into a, a penalty fest, it'll be the last Super Bowl they call. Um, you know, mm. it's and so I I I understand San Francisco's frustration having, you know, watch the, watching the game objectively because mm. I didn't really care who won. I didn't feel like either team got a tough whistle. I mean, I, yeah, I think that I think San Francisco wasn't called for a whole lot either that I can remember at least. So, uh, you know, I, San Francisco's they, it's a bunch of sour grapes. You know, you fire a coordinator. <laughs> Shanahan's a crybaby, and uh, he's a good coach, but uh, he does not handle uh, the sportsmanship component very well, in my opinion. Patrick Mahomes faced, and obviously the Chiefs, faced the Dolphins and their speed, Josh Allen and the Bills, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, and, of course, the 49ers, all their skill. The Kansas City defense allowed only four plays of 25 yards or more all postseason. That's really amazing. And, that, and nothing deep, right? Nothing cheap, right. nothing deep. Nothing and, cheap, and nothing And obviously deep. nothing. And, and, and that's, a, that is, that's a great stat because, if, no, because if, if you become a team that teams have very few big plays against, you're probably going to win the game. Big plays beat you. Big, not just big touchdown plays. 58-yard passes to the 11 beat you. And if you're a team that avoids that, that of all those stats, Lauren, that is, that's a, Hayes, that's a great stat. Well, and think of the resistance that they went through. When right. the Dolphins, yep, who obviously said, yeah. have an incredible offense, an offensive team, uh, the Bills. Uh-huh. And who, then the Ravens. And then Baltimore. And then the 49ers. And then the 49ers. So that's uh, – that it's is, a gauntlet. That is unbelievable, and they deserve all the credit in the world. They're very worthy champions. That they do. All right, Hayes, how many times today have you watched the trailer that EA Sports dropped for College Football 25 coming this summer? I can't wait. Um, what, however many weeks of vacation they give us, <laughs> put me down for all of them when that game comes out. Um, so, uh you know, Thank I, you, too. Why be, didn't you ask me? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, I'm asking you now. You, too, for your vacation. You want it all when the, the game drops? <laughs> it'll, be, uh, it'll be fantastic. Now it's a tough decision. Huh? My, 
my man, guess is you locked me into a video game. Yeah. Forget about it. My guess is say. my my dynasty with the Florida Gators is gonna is gonna <laughs> take some uh, some really hard lifting. But Florida get, made it in the trailer a few times. They are. They'll be. I mean, yeah, they'll they'll do a great job of replicating the swamp and and things like that. And you know, I you know, and, and my only hope is that they make DJ Lagway like amazing. <laughs> That's sort of my hope is that uh, the digital DJ Lagway is a superstar. Uh, yes, I couldn't understand why you hoped that. Uh, by the way, we did not get to this. We talked a little bit of baseball earlier, but the A's named Jenny Kavner the first female play-by-play announcer in Major League Baseball history. She had previously been the backup play-by-play announcer for the Rockies television coverage. So certainly that's exciting stuff. It's very exciting and good for her, and she's supposed to be a wonderful person too. Uh, but it surprised me a little bit. Didn't Melanie Newman with the Orioles do some play-by-play? Maybe not. Maybe, why did I think that? I, I I, and maybe she just did some fill-in stuff. Maybe she wasn't a full-time. And I think in the NFL, Washington has right a female. Is that, is it the uh, the the Commanders? Yeah. No, she's no. Bram Weinstein's their play-by-play, but she's on the broadcast. She's on the broadcast. Yeah, but uh, but the um, but she's in the booth. Like, yeah, she's she is, not a. She's like correct. She's yeah. in the booth. But I but I could have sworn Melanie they, they, when they said Jenny was the first ever, and then I like you, Lauren. I did read that. I read the same thing. That, sure. So maybe Melanie Newman, who does her sideline. It was a fill-in play-by-play, I guess. But I could have sworn she... Yeah, because I'm reading Melanie Newman is a TV play-by-play broadcaster for the Orioles. Yeah, and I could have sworn she she did... I've watched the Orioles broadcast, and Mm -hmm. she's the sideline reporter. Because Kevin Kevin Brown's their TV play-by-play guy, who's really good. But I I thought... um, And I think Melanie does sidelines. But I think she did some, I'm pretty sure she did some play-by-play. Okay, and before we say hello to Rick Ballou, uh, Hayes, you mentioned this in a break yesterday. We didn't have time to get to it in news and notes. Vern Lundquist will call his 40th Masters on CBS in April. That will be his final Masters. He's a legend, uh, just an uh, icon, and uh, I hope he has a fantastic signature moment uh, at Augusta this year uh, for a proper send-off. But, in uh, your life. Yeah, gosh. I'm gonna what hate not having that anymore. I know, and I still miss him on SEC. I do too. I bring him back. I, I think I think it's one of the. I think the melody of his voice. Yeah. The 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 rhythm of the of a Vern Lundquist call uh, has very few peers. I really believe that. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him as well. All right. Let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now the two minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. Rick Ballou joins us now. Rick, you were at that press conference today. I get the impression uh, you were impressed with Ryan Nielsen. Uh, actually, I was not. I was uh, watching okay. Tiger Woods uh, play okay. as well, and I got a tip that we were running the press conference live, so I said, hey, okay. watch this. I'm going to do okay. two things at once. But No, I came away um, absolutely impressed. It was an A-plus effort, uh, but I – want to be careful here because I remember after hearing Gus Bradley's press conference, I, I believe I put the Jaguars in the Super Bowl uh, <laughs> immediately after the fact. But no, it was it was good to hear uh, a guy who was incredibly confident, uh, knew what he wanted to say. I mean, let's be, op- let's be honest. It was the polar opposite of two years ago with Mike Caldwell, who was so green. It's like he shouldn't even have been up there speaking. So... This was a, uh, a a comfortable feeling today, and I think Jaguar fans probably feel better right now than they have over the past month. Uh, Ryan Nielsen today hit a home run during his press conference. Yeah, I thought so too, Rick. And I, and I think Hayes and I and Lauren and I talked about this today, that I think ever since it was announced, 
uh, Jags fans liked it. And I think that uh, that was only reiterated today by the way he was. I, I totally agree with you. I think, I, think, I think he knocked it out of the park. What's coming up tonight, Rick? Uh, got? We got an awful lot. We're going to be real busy here over the next couple of hours. Certainly, I've got a, a lot on Ryan Nielsen. We're going to play back some of that as well after what he said earlier today. My buddy Niall Lawrence Stample stopping by to give us the very latest on uh, Florida State. And, yes, out at the Genesis, uh, the third event so far this calendar year, on the PGA Tour, what a round for Tiger Woods. He had it in red figures, and he let it get away late. Uh, right now at plus one with a 72. And, and, and the odds makers, man, they had it at 71 and a half. It's amazing how the people in Las Vegas just know exactly what is going to take place. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how he responds tomorrow. You know, after playing 18, walking around, uh, is he, he gets the, uh, the luxury of a later tee time. On Friday, but you know, I think it's important for him. There is a cut, 50 in ties. So, does he make it to the weekend? And if so, can he go four rounds? And then hopefully, he announces that he's going to play here in 26 days at the Players' Championship. So, this is important for a lot of different reasons. We'll talk about uh, this event, including what Tiger did as well. Sounds good, Rick. Thanks, buddy. All we right. appreciate it. Rick Palou goes into the night talking Tiger. Ryan Nielsen, and a whole lot more. Folks, that'll do it for our program. Uh, tomorrow, one last day out here at the uh, Walk-Off Charities High School Baseball and Softball Classic from the Bragan Baseball Complex at uh, Fort Family Field. Gosh, what a beautiful day it is today. It's been a wonderful day. It's been wonderful out here watching all this baseball. Snyder and Wolfson just wrapped up, and uh, the nightcap tonight on the baseball side, Ponte Vedra and Providence, they get together at 7 o'clock. One more day. We're going to be right here tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. We're out of here. Don't go anywhere. Rick Ballou is next. For Hayes, for Lauren, for RJ, I'm Frank Frangie. So long.